What's up, race fans? We're finally back after, what, two-month hiatus? No Max Effect. I'm J.R. Todd. Sean Langdon here. We got a lot to talk about. Shoot, we've uh, we've missed how many races here? We got five? Six races Six. almost that we got to talk about here. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. Yeah, we left off. I think Phoenix was uh, the last race we were at, so... Gainesville, that uh, that was a big race for us. It was the uh, 60th anniversary. A lot of legends there. That uh, that race. It was cool to see them all out there and get to uh, get to mingle with a few of them and actually see them race against each other again. That was uh, that was pretty neat. Yeah, no, that was really cool. They they haven't done it since though, right? No, I'm pretty sure that was the only time they were going to do it. But I've heard talks of doing it again. Oh, I thought they were doing. I thought they had. Uh, maybe I'm just like dreaming of stuff but for some reason i was thinking that they were doing like a couple races this year i as far as i know it was just gainesville but they should make it a little series yeah well i i mean i thought that that was pretty cool i mean because it turned out like some of the cars were better than the others yeah from what wj had the hot one yeah well we all i mean we know that like when we go out and do something like the sponsor races early i mean there's some that are just faster than others. Yeah, no two some, are the same. Yeah, and some people don't realize, like, when you turn the air conditioner on, it'll probably slow the car down over a second. Put some luggage in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that... Dang, I really kind of hope that they do that again. That was that was pretty cool. Who ended up winning that? Was that Warren Johnson won that? He beat... Yeah, it was him and Ace in the final, and I think Ace said, give me your car and I'll beat you, and he did. So that shows that Warren had the best car out of all of them. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like you think about a lot of these legends and back in the day, and, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, they're legends. and But when they're out here racing, they're kind of, you know, it's, I guess, for fun, right? <laughs> yeah, so they, I guess. they they go and they race these races and, and obviously put on a good show for the fans. And it's kind of neat to see these guys race in, in this day and age. Um, it just kind of brings back childhood memories. Like when you're listening to the announcers and then you hear them start calling out Joe Amato and, you know, all these, you know, Ed McCullough, Don Perdome, all these guys, but, um, then they're out there racing and stuff, but I don't think they're like out there just to have fun. I think like you be, well, no, like it, it's kind of cool to see that the the passion and the fire that these guys still have after so many years of not doing it to come back out and to race 14, 15 second cars. And they're like pissed when they lose. I I mean, I feel like I would be. They've been building up this thing for over a year. Right. NHRA has, you know, the legends race and whatever. And you go there and it's kind of like one and done. You, I think they got a time run maybe and then right into eliminations. But I don't like that they did was. So if fans weren't there on Saturday, then they didn't get to see all of them race. Like, I think they started eliminations when we were qualifying. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. So you might have got cheated out of seeing them. But anyways, they were there all weekend. So it was cool that uh, they were there signing autographs and hanging out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, like I said, hopefully they can come back and do that. I mean, that's kind of kind of neat to see them. I mean, just, yeah for sure it's still it's still cool for us i mean to to be able to when we go out to the races and like i said it kind of brings back those childhood memories when you're walking up to guys like joe amato and you know looking for his autograph when you're a kid and now it's like you know and, and don perdome and now 
they kind of come by your pit and say hi to you and yeah. stuff like that. And it's kind of like, I don't know. It's just kind of, for me, it's like awkward as crap. I mean, I'm like, what? Like, this is weird, but yeah, I mean, it's really, really cool. To me, when I see those guys, it seems like a couple of them been out way more this year than they have in years past, like Snake and Joe Amato. Like, they clearly miss it a little bit if they're going to more and more races now, which Snake's involved with Austin Prox car, but still, he doesn't have to go to all the races. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I mean, speaking of Austin Prox, that's, they had a big, some, a big change. Oh yeah, crew chief shakeup. It's like uh, over on Northfield Drive. It's like a baseball teams or whatever, just trading players back and forth between the two teams over there. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I mean it's. I mean, I, for people's job sakes, it's, you can't say that it's cool, but I, I guess uh, it yeah, was, it's not cool. But it was it was kind of cool to see how they they traded, you know, and and one guy goes here, and it's you know you you hate to see. Um, you know, guys that you've, we've raced with in the past, but all, you know, we've raced against and obviously admire and have a lot of respect for, um, but to see them still have jobs, you know, with opportunities, I mean, in this day and age, I, I really think that it's tough out there, man. It's, it's brutal. The, the amount of pressure that goes into it to perform and with how slim it is on the sponsorship side of things that if you don't perform in a, in a timely manner, then, you know, your, your job's on the line. I mean, your job's on the line from the, the moment you start turning the knobs, but you know, it's, yeah. And you know, what's tough about that. Like you're a brand new team. You don't even have all full-time guys working on the car. You have a rookie driver, just everything's new. Like it takes time. We're how many races into the season? Yeah. Well, I mean, hell, it took me 29 <laughs> but but still yeah it, and that's that's the thing it's it's a little bit of a catch 22 because you have to perform you have to win uh for the sponsors um for the team you know for for the owners for for everybody um but it's like you know what's the i guess what's the deadline who you know that that's the tough decision i think to make is is how long do you give it how long do you continue to try? And it's not like the car was running bad either. Like what? Yeah. Right. Like what's the line here? Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously had a good first race, um, came out and then, but it's, it's tough. I mean, you put together a new team and with the new driver and crew chiefs working together, they got to get that camaraderie going. They got to get on the same page. You got crew guys, um, you know, one big thing that you see with a lot of cars that, that run for the championship at the end of the year is the camaraderie with the team. Yeah. The guys are all on the same page. The crew chiefs are on the same page. The guys and the crew chiefs are on the same page. You don't have to double check on everybody's work. You don't have to double check everybody's work. You, you almost just kind of get that notion where you look at somebody and they know what you're thinking. And you know, and then you put a new team together and it, it takes time to build that up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's brutally tough, you know, right now in, in the racing industry, it just, you know, it's, you have to perform, but you're, you're trying to put this new team together and you're trying to put this together, compete with people that have had teams together for the last four five, six years that are already on that page. Oh yeah. And he's going against a championship winning team from two years ago within his own team. Right. You can't really compare yeah, yeah. Two cars there, you know. 
Yeah, it's tough. But I mean, it's it's good to see, uh, you know, uh, Mike Green go over there. Yeah, they'll be. I think they'll be good. That's going to be a good team. Not that Mike wasn't good where he was, but it seems like he's always done well with dragsters wherever he's been. Right. Yeah. And then uh, you got LJ going over there to Tasca, and uh, I feel like LJ, he's kind of underrated for how young he is. I worked with him when I drove Dexter's car in 2007. Like, he's pretty smart, dude. When I drove David Baca's car in 2009, he was there also kind of overseeing things and helping with the tune-up and what have you. Like, he's been around for a long time for a young guy. Yeah, and it, it, it's kind of neat to see um, a lot of these younger guys that are out there um, that have built up enough credentials to excel, to, to become in crew chiefs, car chiefs, assistant crew chiefs, what have you. Um but it's just neat to see the sport evolve like that to where you it's a little bit of confirmation that the next generation yeah is is here um you know it's just got to keep the sport going crew guys that are willing to put in the work and learn and yeah. do whatever it takes to get to that level like he's definitely one of those guys that that did it yeah no it's it's uh it's really cool to see yeah i mean so you know hopefully for uh for Austin's sake unless if he runs one of our cars they <laughs> they do good with Mike, and hopefully for Bob's sake, they do good unless if they run us too. Yeah, speaking of one of our cars, our boy Richie, he won the Gainesville race, which that was a that was awesome. Going back to back at that event, I mean that's back to back, yeah. One of the major races, like right there with uh, Pomona and Indy. So to win that's pretty special. I'd like to win it. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I, I, I'm going to agree with you for the sake of, I would assume, I haven't won it. So. Yeah, I haven't either, but, but uh, I got I to gotta feel it's pretty special. And cool thing that he did uh, this last race, we're away Atlanta, for uh, the 60th anniversary, the track or NHRA, whoever made up uh, Gainesville event rings. So I think, like, I don't know, NHRA members or maybe even some of the winners got rings. So Richie bought, you know, his whole team Gainesville rings from that race which i thought that was way cool yeah no that's that's awesome of him to do that yeah i mean he's no mike salinas buying them harleys right yeah that's another story (laughs) but yeah i mean i thought it was cool i think that nhra should look into doing something like that especially at indy i mean indy is basically our indy 500 daytona 500 in those rings or those races like guys that win them they have rings to show that they won those races like i think that's a cool momentum like you can't carry your trophy around everywhere it says you won indy yeah no i mean um i 100 percent agree i you know dating back uh sonoma um i got a, a engraved uh spoon ice cream yeah. uh, scoop spoon whatever you call them yeah uh, um that was obviously really awesome of uh sonoma to to do that and also at norwalk um, or no, thing. I'm sorry. No, Norwalk, Norwalk, does a spoon. Norwalk does a spoon. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got the the uh, wine wine. Yeah, the chalice deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that from uh, Sonoma. So, th- like, those are things that you know. Obviously, uh, I mean, you can't you can't beat a Wally. But no, that's what the but the big prize is. But it's also have like that little thing that says like reminds you that you won that race. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a cowboy hat when you win Dallas, which. I didn't get it in 2008, so I need to go back there and try and win again because I want one of those. Dude, that's yeah, yeah. But no, I think that's awesome that that um, you know some of the tracks that they do that. I, th- I think it kind of adds a little bit more uh, to the character of the race. 
um, you know, adding little more special moments like that. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you look at, like you said, I mean, Indy, yeah, what is, Indy doesn't, doesn't really have anything like that. I, I think they, they definitely should, you know, obviously with them doing away with the shootouts. Um, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of my crew guys, I can see they're on here watching. I guarantee you that if they gave out a ring for winning Indy and I got all them rings for winning the U.S. Nationals, like that would go a long way with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, I mean, for all the work that those guys put in, I mean, obviously, diver- deservingly so. Um, I, I, I just, I, yeah, I think, I, I look at, like, some of the NASCAR race. I think it's awesome. Like, they get, they go to, uh, what, Martinsville gives away that the clock, that big clock. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, what is it, Dover's got that that monster dude or whatever miles yeah yeah, miles. Like, yeah like each race like you don't realize it till you go to their shops and see the the trophies on display like how big some of those trophies are like it's pretty cool they're, yeah they're, i'm not saying that we should stop getting wallets but yeah maybe something to go with it would be kind of cool depending on like, like what region you're in or whatever like the chalice at sonoma does like that's perfect because they put wine in it like it's a cool thing oh yeah yeah Drink some wine in the winter circle. Yeah, love wine. <laughs> <laughs> love wine. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Badass job, Richie, on uh, taking up the slack there in Gainesville. It was cool for the old man. I mean, Legends race, Connie wins the 60th. Like, he's a legend that doesn't get talked about a lot with all the other legends. But I think that's because he's still involved in the sport, you know, a crew chief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, If you ever, if you ever go to a race... You have to uh, pay attention to the starting line. Um, <laughs> dude, Con- that's, that's legend status there. Connie is as close as you can get. I mean, I remember at Brainerd. That's where I was getting ready. I was going to say that. So, yeah. So, Brainerd, I'm running the dragster for him in 17. And I do my burnout and backup. And uh, just looking at the dash, kind of going over all, all everything, make you know, making sure just kind of my normal procedure. And I just happened to look up and and before I put my visor down, just peripheral caught me and I look over and I'm like, dude, there's Connie Coletta sitting. I mean, like he's like even with the tree almost right in line. Yeah. With like the stage beams and he's just nosed right right into the the wall and he's just sitting there. Just he's got his, you know, his his headphones on and he's. He's just sitting there just looking right at you. And that was, for me, that was kind of a cool moment. Like, dude, that's pretty badass, man. Like, for all that he's been through. And he's he's that into it, that he's not going to, he's going to get as close as he can. Yeah, nobody's going to tell him no. And nobody's going to tell him no. <laughs> Security guards sometimes try, and his advice is get out of my way. Right. Because that's where I'm going. Yeah, like, I catch myself every year at Brainerd. I'm like, who the hell is that over there up against the wall? Oh, never mind. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. Like, you can almost look him in the eye, like, when you're getting ready to stage. <laughs> that's how close he is. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah, awesome for Richie. That's, uh, Gainesville's definitely one of the majors, you know, in our sport. And uh, a lot of, lot of history there. So, obviously, for, you know, good for him. Winning two in a row. Did a hell of a job driving as well. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's ripped really... off a whole shot there in the final. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Richie's done an exceptional job driving that car for sure. Yes, sir. Then we went on to uh, Vegas four wide. Yeah, big winner, Jr. Todd. Love Vegas. How so? Was that three, in three. A row? three in a row? Yes, sir. 
dude. You know what's funny is before we first won there, like I'd been to two or three finals there, I think, in the past, number one qualifier, just like, man, like, I have good luck at this place, but I just can't break through. And now, like, driving the DHL car, like, those guys, for whatever reason, like, they have a handle on that place, whether it's the spring or the fall race, which, as a driver, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, well, I mean, you get you get a good race car, and it definitely makes... Plus, four wide, like, kind of works in your favor at times, which, you know, we'll get to that. You can go up there and lose and keep going, which we did the first two rounds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you we were second. Yeah. So you. Yeah. I mean, you can you can make minimal mistakes. Right. Right. Like first got to make good runs. Yeah, yeah. First round, it went up there, and I think spun down track, ended up backfiring. And like you're sitting there coast, and you're like, oh shit, they're gonna go driving by me anytime. Like I see Hagen, he's gone. Like I can't really see lanes three and four. We were lucky enough to get by there. Then uh, second round. I think Wilkerson, he just outran us, which he ran really well. I thought for sure he was going to win the race because he ran well all weekend. Dude, Wilkerson's been like an all-or-nothing car this year. Yeah, like he hauls ass. I mean, he goes to one race and just can't make it down. He goes to the next race, and he's 060 on the tree and making top two runs. Right. You're like, man, he's a car to beat this weekend. And I mean, when I'm not racing against him, I pull for him. I like the guy. You can't help but not like the guy. Oh, Tim's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the good guys for sure. Yeah. But yeah, then the the final, sure enough, turned on another win light. That was awesome. Don't so like as pumped as I was that you've obviously won three in a row, but you won this year. Like we still haven't done what we talked about doing in Vegas. I know, and like somehow and I say we, but more you somehow. We got to get somebody within NHRA at the top end involved, or hey. If this happens, like you got to make sure this happens. All right, so so explain so everybody understands. Like we we had an idea that I don't we really thought want to ruin it. Well, okay, should we should we hold off then? I mean, it could be epic if if it's pulled off. Well, we maybe should we prepare people. Okay, for this? here's what I'm saying. I've done this before in testing there in, in Vegas. I haven't gotten all the way there, but I know it's possible. So Vegas, the shutdown area is uphill. And when you come off the track and you're going down the shutdown area, you know, the return road area, that's downhill, obviously. Yeah. So testing, when there's no one around and the guys are coming back to get you, you can make it all the way down that hill damn near to the stands by yourself, just coasting. Right. Depending on if the wind's blowing or whatever. So my idea is, like, that'd be a hell of a celebration if a car comes back in front of the stands, driver pops out. Crews down there, right? That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what we talked about. Get off the track. TV crews on the starting line. Coast all the way back, right there in front of the grandstands. For anybody that's been to Vegas, you will... Now someone's going to steal our damn idea. Well, we can't copyright it, but we at least got got proof now. It's on our podcast. It's on Facebook Live. Yeah, so if someone else does it, you heard it here first. Yeah. It won't be as cool. they, They took our shit. Right. But yeah, so how awesome would that be? Win the race, turn off the track, blow by everything top end. But we and, we talked about you might have to scale. So one of us would be at the scale to push the car off the scale. Right. So you you have to scale. You got to make sure, obviously, with your weight, uh, car weight. And then you just coast on down. 
and go up in front of the stands. Pop out of your car. I feel like climb, everybody would lose their mind. Hell, climb up in the stands. Yeah, maybe. Maybe jump the fence. Right. I mean, I think do that'd, something different. Something different. I think I think that that'd be pretty badass. I think that'd be pretty awesome for the fans there too. I, I mean, think I, so. I think that they do that would that'd get me jacked up because there's not many races to where you could pull back in front of the stands like that and celebrate. Yeah. No. It, yeah. Exactly. There's none really. That, I'm I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, definitely not Sonoma. No. I mean, that's a, not unless you come around the <laughs> other side the road course. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think Vegas would be the only one that you could actually do that and go get all the way back to the to in front of the stands. Yeah. So one of us needs to win Vegas in the fall so we can pull that off. I like your chances. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so Vegas. Uh after Vegas we went to uh Houston. Well yeah, so wait, so getting back to Vegas though. This was something that we had talked about earlier, but Salinas. Oh, yeah. He won Vegas. Right. First win with AJ. Of course, you're like, you know, it's just a matter of time that you're going to win with AJ and Brian and all those guys. But for him to pull that off, like, and then what he did was pretty awesome. Yeah. I think. I mean, yeah. Like like you said, I mean, working with AJ is going to give you a bad hot rod. And Yeah. yeah in the end, it's going to be up to you probably. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, so for him to to go out and win, and then go and present uh, in Charlotte, all of the guys on the team, a Harley. Yeah. So how many Harleys do you think that is? Ten. Yeah. Close. I mean, even if it's eight, that's like pretty ten, awesome. Ten, nine, ten, eleven. Can, I mean, can you imagine just being like, say, fairly new crew guy into this deal? Win a race, you're pumped, you won your first race. Oh, shit, I got a brand new Harley now. Yeah. That's pretty rad. No kidding. I mean, yeah, not only do you get a little bit of slice of cheese, get get your little bonus, but then you get a little bit bigger bonus, you get a, a Harley Davidson. You better be heading to the BMV I mean, it, motorcycle it, permit. Dude, uh, it Mike's putting the pressure on all of us now because it's like, yeah, what? Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, if you're like a big sponsor or maybe even team owner, you're like, huh, look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, badass, but I'm like, I can't afford a down payment for one Harley Davidson, let alone get 10. If I could, I'd have one sitting in my garage right now. Right. Yeah, yeah. and he buys 10 of them. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Now I mean, he just needs to buy another trailer to haul them all to the races. Right. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they'll ever do that. Like they'll they'll get together and do like a ride from a race to. That would be cool. But who's going to drive the rigs? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> but like I have if to you, hire somebody. Yeah, say you got a, a trailer to like put them all in, take them on the western swing. That'd be cool. Yeah, like do do a ride from uh, like Sonoma to Seattle or something like that. I mean that that'd be. I think a couple of the crew guys have done that. In the past. Yeah, I remember Bransky and all those guys used to do that. Yeah, pickle. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty cool ride. I mean, but hey, good good for them, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought it was way cool. More people need to do that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so we got, uh, yeah, so like you said, then we go to... Uh, Baytown. Baytown. And I don't know if many people know this, but they redid the track before we got there from last year. Yeah. 
twice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hell, none of our cars really did any good there, did we? Nah, we got waxed second round by Robert. Ooh, I feel like we made a good run too. Just he ran better. Well, Robert has a tendency to do that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Houston was tough, man. I remember like it can be such a good track. And then there's times like when it gets hot, it just, man, it's so brutal because it's well, top in. Like the, I feel like the concrete is good there, and it's not new as far as I know. Like, it's been there a while. Right. And you're at sea level, basically. So when the air's right, like you should be able to rip there. But they keep redoing the asphalt there. And it's like you got to get the thing hauling ass early and then basically park it when you get out there to the asphalt. So... You got all this momentum going, then you hit the asphalt, and man, it's sketchy. Yeah, yeah. You for I mean, well, yeah. I had a, a qualifying run. I had to lift a little early. It's in the uh, left lane, I believe. And I mean, I I have enough trouble holding these dang things straight. And I remember going down and kind of like, all right, I'm I got I got a good spot, you know, and where where I felt comfortable with in the groove, and then. I hit the bump in the left lane and the car just made such a hard move, like a, a move I haven't felt. And it, it made such a hard move to the inside. And I remember I had the wheel cranked. I mean, I probably, I probably had it over. I had my right hand over my left hand. And I remember I lifted a hair early and I just remember that feeling of like that spike in your chest right. that you get of like that. Oh shit moment. Yeah, your heart rate goes. And I, and I had that spike in my chest and the parachutes hit and it was like, well, that was the closest that I have ever been. You're like, Oh, I lived to. Yes. Like that was unbelievably like scared the shit out of me. And I, you don't really, I mean, you have these, the, these moments, these intense moments that you can get in the car, but that like where it shoots that spike into your heart, where your, your heart rate goes through the roof. It's like that, that's not right. Man. Yeah. Like, like the whole time you're shutting down after that, you're trying to process like, what the hell just happened? Like, why did that happen? Right. You go back. I think it was Sunday morning. Jono pulled up one of the runs from there. Cause I think we went down every run and qualified, ran pretty decent, but like driving wise, I feel like I was doing terrible. And one of the runs, the, the lateral G's, which shows basically how much we're steering or not steering the car yeah. down track. It was almost in line with like the drive shaft going like this. Yeah. It looks like an earthquake. Yes. It was gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if that, that place could ever figure out how to get rid of the bumps, I mean, like there's there's good racing there and it, it's good early, you know. And when the track temperatures are cool there, which they were at one point, you can make really good runs, like awesome runs. When the sun comes out and it gets hot and muggy, it's very difficult, and it almost becomes basically a a a six sixty and pray race, right? Where it's haul ass to six sixty and pray the rest of the way that you can make it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wish the whole place was concrete. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, it, it if that that place got really good air and was is is half as smooth as is what like Virginia is. I was going to say, you want an example you of would have, what that place should be like come this weekend. Yeah, that dude, that place would be like set you could set for sure 
records there. I mean, yeah, we. I mean, we get a night run there, like, and it's usually good. Yeah, until it, you get down there. Sometimes the problem is it's almost too good, though. Right. I mean, the tracks. The track is so good that your window really narrows up so much that like you you have to almost make a bonsai run, otherwise it's just going to grab a hold of the tire. Yep. And your toast. Yeah, I remember. I think it was Friday night there. Hit the gas. Like that was the first time I ever had it really pick up the front end, like hitting the gas. Hit the gas. I'm like, oh shit, this is like a drag where it's carrying the front end for like not very far, but funny cars like or at least ours doesn't do that. And it did. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, now we're on to something. Like <laughs> I'm glad I had it pointed straight for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because usually I don't. Well, we both have that problem. <laughs> Yeah. So it's not just you. Funny cars, I don't think... I don't think there's, like, anything straight about a funny car. You know what's funny is... I was listening to... I think it was one of the uh, the NHRA.TV broadcasts. I forget what race it was, but Alan Reinhardt and Tony Schumacher were in the booth. And Reinhardt's explaining why it's harder to drive a funny car compared to a dragster. Like, it's harder to stage a funny car, is what he was saying, because... You can't see the front tires in a funny car compared to a dragster. I'm like thinking to myself, no, that's not why. And the Sarge, like, no, you don't look at the front tires when you're staging. Like, that's no different, right? Yeah, you're looking at you're looking at the bulbs, basically look, looking at the stage bulb, kind of have a feel for the brake, how much it's rolling, and versus right, kind of how you want to stage, basically. But I will say it's easier to line up a dragster. Oh, it's, it, it is a funny car because you can actually see the track in front of you. A hundred percent. Yeah. A funny car. It's you're looking around things and looking to the side. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of like guesstimation. Yeah. And it, it is so much easier to dang like when you're staging a, a dragster too. like it's so much easier for some reason. It's hard for me to flicker the bulb in a funny car. It take like I have to work at it. To get I get to mad when I don't in qualifying. Right, but like you have to really concentrate and work at it to get it right. Yeah, to where a dragster, I felt like it was just kind of uh, every run you can. Yeah, I can do it. You know, ninety percent of the time. Funny car, I'm like maybe twenty. Right, and like really working at it, trying to get it. It's tough. Yeah, got them big old front tires on there. <sighs> yeah, I mean it's. Funny car, man. It's just such a such a crazy learning curve in a funny car. It's cool, though. Oh, it is. <laughs> Dude, it, it's like... I think that's the thing. People don't understand like how difficult they really are until you actually get your ass in there and drive one. The best way to compare a funny car is like trying to reason with a, the most pissed-off girlfriend. <laughs> That's not possible. Well, it's just whatever whatever you think you're gonna do. Yeah, it's, it's gonna prob- show you. Right. It's probably not the you're you're not you're not gonna be right. If you say left, it's gonna go right. That, yeah, that's why you just drive down there like this. And that's what I do. And <laughs> Dell and Nikki get so pissed off at me. They're like, "Dude, you cannot drive that car like that." As soon as you get to a hot track, it's going to blow the tires off. I'm like, nah, it'll be all right. We get to a hot track, blows the tires off. Told you so. Like, all right, well, now I need to fix this. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, I don't know. There's certain times you're like, should I steer it? Should I not? Then, like, you come back after a run. Like, well, you didn't steer it. I'm like, well, 
yell at me if I do stare it. <laughs> it's it's like just every everything that you do from the last run, you're like, okay. You sit down. Might as well forget it. Well, you, you yeah, you, you analyze the run. You look at the race pack information. You look at the video. You watch the video. You're, you're looking at your lateral Gs and steering and like, you know, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? How did I line up? Where did we line up inside, outside of the lane? And then it's, you know... Am I driving on a track with a crown? Is it going to run me to the wall or the right. center line? So you have all these things that you kind of evaluate after a run. You sit down with your crew chiefs and you talk amongst each other. And then you're like, okay, perfect. I think I got it figured out. And then you go out to the next run. And then it does completely opposite. And then you do the complete opposite. And then it just looks like a complete shit show when you come back. And you're just like, I don't know. I just... They definitely let you know who's in charge. Yeah. And most of the time, it's not you. Right. You're just trying to... You're you're just... You're you're steering. You're just along for the ride. Kind of. Yeah, you're, you're not really a driver. You're just a rider. <laughs> a lot of times, they make you think you're a rider. Yeah. But it's still cool, though. So, not discrediting Draxers because they're fun also, but... Yeah. Funny cars are just harder well it's it's a a different i think it's a different kind of fun um i mean they both give you the adrenaline rush they both you feel the speed but it's just yeah it's 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 just a whole different i don't i don't even know how to describe it it's just a whole different feeling trying to figure out a funny car i feel like a dragster is a little bit more predictable but but i'd say from when you hit the gas they're a little more predictable right and I think with a dragster, they kind of followed their own tendencies a little bit more where they kind of do what they do majority of the time to where I think a funny car doesn't do the same thing. It doesn't seem like it does, at least. It just one run, it makes this one run, it makes that one run. You just you're you you hit the gas. You're like, man, this thing's a pig. And then you go your quickest ET and then the next run you're like. Well, that felt fast, and then it's like you end up running four oh five, and you're like, "Okay, well, yeah." It's like I'm so, not going to say anything anymore because I'm just sounded dumb now. You, you make a good run, you come back like, "Man, I didn't even steer that thing." You're just like driving it like a dragster. Next run, like going through the finish like this, like, "Man, I was all over the place." And, oh, I look pretty straight. I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, so you brought up Tony Schumacher. Speaking of Tony Schumacher, so he's been. Uh, on the the Fox, yep, broadcast team, yep. Between that and the uh, the track, like I think he's doing an awesome job. Yeah, no, I think he's done a, a great job. If it were me, NHRA Fox, I would give him a job until he gets his old job back. And I think that'd be great to see. Like one thing that watching, um, like with NASCAR, I, I like that. I like. You know, yeah, have I mean, a driver's perspective, right? And not not taking uh, Brian has done a phenomenal job this year, and Tony Pedregon's done a great job working with Brian. I think you know they they have a good a great thing going, um, but I I like what Tony brings in on the side of of just kind of how like GQ he is about it. He's just like he's he's very to the point in short amount of words. He can he can say he gets it across smooth. That's for sure. Correct. He can say what he's wanting to say in a short amount of time, and it's like, yeah, 
that's exactly right. I mean, a lot of like the driver's perspective on it. Yeah, like he definitely calls out what he sees and doesn't overthink it. Right, and I and I like the fact that that he calls out, like you said, he calls out what he sees, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. He he'll tell you kind of the the truth behind the story. I mean, of what certain teams are doing, what certain drivers are doing, the situations of the race. Yeah, I just I think he did a good job. I I, I like listening to what he has to say. He's a he's a very good talker. He he obviously does a, a he did a lot of that stuff uh, with Army, um, but public speaking and all that. He just he does a really really good job. Yeah, I think it'd be cool if you know, say a good driver loses first round that you put a headset on them and. There's always a camera or two on the starting line, maybe more. And give that driver a microphone and a headset and just let him or her, whoever, talk back and forth to Schumacher, like as the runs are going on, like what they see or what they think or whatever. Yeah. Like, they're going to tell you basically what the two drivers are going to do because they know pretty much all the drivers out there. I think, I think there's so much um, more that uh, situations. I think there's some some key elements in the situations of certain people maybe racing certain people um is lane choice right an issue um some tracks you go to lane choice is a big factor some tracks you go to lane choice really doesn't matter um I think there's different situations some tracks you go to where the the sun really exposes one side of the tree so it puts a, a driver um in a bad position right like, that, that's you know, tracks like seattle or tracks like brainerd sonoma pomona pomona yeah absolutely pomona um you know there's sometimes man it's brutal you're you're looking right into the sun or the sun's directly on the bulbs and it makes um, a difference and i guarantee you people do not think about that right but but you think about it i mean there, there's been some times that I, that i've worked with some crew chiefs where they'll you know sometimes a, a lot you know crew chiefs and drivers sometimes will discuss preferred lanes um and sometimes they've come to me and asked me you know do you have a lane preference and it's i remember specifically like in brainer in the afternoon don't put me in the right lane right. I, I don't want no part of the right lane at three o'clock in the afternoon because it's probably i'm probably going to be 100 to 15 thousand slow on the tree just i i just it's tough yeah you know and it's it like you said, left lane for uh, Pomona. Yeah, know? like three or four o'clock there, and a dragster like bad news. You look right into the sun. Now, now with the funny car, it's a little bit different. You know, I feel like the got the, a shade over top of you. Yeah, the the body, uh, you know, protects you a little bit, kind of gives you a little bit of shade. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot there's a lot of in depth stuff that that's really kind of interesting. And and you're talking, you're talking, you're racing for thousands of a second. So I think in certain situations. You know, maybe there's sometimes where, you know, I'll say, yeah, I, I, I think I could probably hit this side of the tree better. But then the crew chiefs may say, well, we could probably get a couple more hundreds out of this lane. Well, OK, so pick the lesser of two evils, you know, type of thing where, OK, well, we'd have a better advantage running a particular lane dependent off of these situations. I dealt with that driving uh, the Radman's car in Pomona against Dougie in the final got waxed stuck in the left lane like i was dead late and you know people ask well why'd you guys take that lane you had lane choice connie's like well if i don't know there's an issue i don't let him pick like some like i wouldn't have known that ahead of time but right yeah i guess i should have spoke up yeah yeah i mean we're now like john o and todd they'll say hey like 
we think the lanes are pretty close. Like, which one do you want? Which I think that's cool. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, even if it's just they're they're you know just bringing it up for a conversation. I mean, it 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 just the fact of building the trust within the driver to yeah, crew chief exactly of you know building that relationship and and like I said with the trust of it, I, I think is awesome. Um, yeah, but it's kind of neat. I guess going back to the the you know with the the fox. I think that's some cool stuff. You know, I, I know there's a lot of stuff that goes on within pro stock and, um, and, and bikes, you know, everybody kind of, you know, has their own game plans, but it's, it's, you know, what is this guy been running? What is this guy going to need to do to step up? I mean, you know, is there any advantage to one driver to the other based off of reaction times? You know, I think there's, there's a lot of strategy that goes on behind the scenes that I think would be very interesting for a lot of the fans. Well, yeah, like, Angie Smith just said that's why Matt put Eddie Craywick in the left lane for the championship. Like, they ran the final there. Well, yeah, so if you talk to a bike guy while that's going on, he's probably going to point that out. Like, yeah, like this guy's in the bad lane. He can't see that well. Uh, yeah, and it, obviously it plays a, a, a huge difference. There's, there's a, I mean, you're fighting for thousands of a second. So, it, there's a lot more than going up there and just hitting the gas and keeping things straight. That's for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of pre-planning on a lot of this stuff. Yes. Yeah. So where do we go to next? Charlotte. How was Charlotte for you? Uh, was pretty good. Three-rounder? Yeah, I got, got, a, <laughs> got a three-rounder in. I uh, got 50K. <laughs> well, Connie got 50K. But, yeah, no, it, it, crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess we're – I didn't even think about that till now. We're two and zero on the four wides this year. That's right, and all four of our cars have won, which is really cool. I think I think we're the only uh, well, I guess multi car team. Yeah, that every car has won. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> pat on the back for us. Come on, um, yeah, but yeah, that that was way cool, especially with Steve and Samantha there and Global. Like for them to finally win with their car and you driving, like that was huge. Yeah, I, I think. You know, we've we've been in a couple finals with the dragster, and then last year, uh, you know, we we went late rounds a few times, um, but I could just see it in in like Steve's eyes, man. He's like, "Come on, let's do this!" And, right. And it's like, as much as I could see that he was enjoying the team's wins, you know, he he had that. Yeah, yeah, that's different. It's different. It is. And um so yeah, so that was that was really really cool to have them there um to be to be a part of that, to be able to share that with them. Like I said, I mean it's you know, a lot of times you get uh if you're not performing, you get on the hot seat and uh you see a lot of a lot of teams make a lot of changes. You see a lot of like sponsors coming and going, but the fact that like we haven't got the win until then and they just they stuck with us man and i mean steve steve and samantha deserve every ounce of that trophy absolutely they uh they stuck with us when we're struggling and that was one of the hardest things that we're trying to explain to them is like look just it this is a it's not a given it you just this sport is very humbling right and yes. it goes in waves and you can't just come in, you know, a, a, a sponsor X comes in and says, okay, here's your budget 
you have a what I don't know the three million dollar budget for your team. Just say, for instance, here's fifty million. Now go win every race. Like that's just not going to happen. Nope. And I think one of the most humbling things about our sport is just how tough it is. And even when you have your your shit together and your car's right and your crew's right and your driver's right, there's still a little bit of luck factor. There's still a little bit of the racing gods got to be on your side. And uh, so many things got to go your way. Right. And it's and it's funny because it's like there's been so many races that it's like, damn, we didn't get the win. Felt like we had such a good car this race and the car was making great runs and we were making better runs in, in certain lanes than other than a lot of the other really good cars. And and then it's like we just go to Charlotte and just things went our way. You know, we uh, went a, a pedal fest, uh, you know, or pedaled the car and, and was able to get around TJ in the second round. And, um, you know, and then then in the final, it's like you line up, you got. Hagen height, not an easy final in force. Right. Well, I guess going back the round before, we look at the time slip. The time slip says, in well, no particular order, but one, two, three, and three, three, three. So we had to run. It was you. Oh yeah, your number. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. Now. The car, the car yeah. numbers, and and we looked at that and go, well, shit, man. They're they're like <laughs> throwing, they're they're throwing the. I mean, the the best guys at us. And then, you know, in the final, we got to run, uh, you know, Height and, and Force and Hagen. And, I mean, I felt like I did a fairly – you know, I'm going to tell you, John deep-staged, and, damn it, 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 it the, the only thing that pissed me off about the deal, not the fact that John deep-staged, it, it's, you know, teach his own on that, but it just – the fact that he did it and the fact that I go – there was enough time that went through my head and I said, damn it, John just deep staged. Right. And the fact that like the round before I was 059 on the tree. So I felt like that was, I, I, I had hit my range right there of my window of the reaction time. And then it was just enough where it just enough to throw me off. And I go, Oh, 69 on the tree. And I leave fourth and get just crushed out of the gate. I mean, it was 69. It's not a bad light no. by any means. And, but it's just the fact that it's like, damn it. The fact that, like, I said to myself, John just went deep and it just caught my attention just enough, but a hundredth of a second. I mean, that's, that's winning and losing races right there. Yeah, it is for sure. But it worked out. And I feel like he's back to doing that, turn out the top light for that reason. Because I think it was the round before he did it against Hagen. And he had like a one something light, like a one thirty something light. Yeah, yeah exactly. like he doesn't ever do that. Well, and that's the thing. So, so Hagen was prepared for it in the in the final, right? Yeah, you know, it, basically, you got to tell yourself it's coming. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, but still, like you're not used to seeing the light. Like, yeah, it was it was so crazy. I mean, like the 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 two rounds previous, we finished second. So you go through the finish line, and I never really had a whole lot of success at the, at the four wides. I mean, I've gone a couple, like you know second round or whatever but um i i just wasn't in the the process of understanding or thinking of how the wind lights work right at the four wide so you have a flashing light is for the number one car i still never know and well i learned this after so you have the flashing light that is the for winner. The, the winner and then you have a the solid light that is for second so the first 
two rounds, I get a, a, a win light, a standard win light that you get at the other 22 races. And it's not like you're creeping by this light either. Yeah, no, I mean, you're to still... catch it, it's like you're blinking st- or like solid on, you know? Yeah, so you're, you're still going over 200 mile an hour probably when you pass this thing. But, so the first two rounds, I see a solid light, and it's like, okay, yeah, wind light. You know, not not really comprehending that that's the second. Well, I hit the gas, you know, I recognize like, ah, damn it, you know, John went in deep, a tree comes down, like, uh, I wasn't really sure how I hit it. I hit the gas, and it's like, oh, no. Does this car, like, I think it's got a hole out. It's not really accelerating. Not going anywhere. Well, you know when you hit the gas, and it kind of has that, it's the initial sets you back in the seat, and then it's, you get that second kind of wave where the clutch starts applying, and then it starts really pressing you back in the seat as the G-Force start coming up. So you'll launch it like three and a half, and then by half track, you're probably up over five, five and a half, right? right. Well, I hit the gas, and it's like, you know, damn does that have a whole lot it's not really accelerating hard so i'm kind of cheating a little i'm looking out to my left i'm in lane four i'm looking out to my left i'm thinking is there something out like i don't think i don't see nothing but no one's driving away from i don't see nobody (laughs) and then it's kind of like when i get about three four hundred feet i think i see something out there wasn't really sure well after the fact yeah it was robert out in lane one way the hell out there so i don't know if i really saw that or not but i remember thinking like shoot i think i see somebody out there and i'm not real sure go through the finish line throw the shoots i see a blinking light i go well shit what does that mean i got like a blinking light does that mean that i won does that mean that i right got second you don't want to celebrate quite yet well you don't don't know you don't want to be that guy that gets out of your car hands in the air (laughs) saying yeah i kicked everybody's ass and uh wait no you didn't really win you don't want to be that guy so i'm i'm calmly like you know sitting in the car like okay trying to process this i get on the radio did we win i don't hear nothing i'm thinking okay well that was dumb because if we won they're under the mosh pit right if we lost they're pissed off and they don't want to talk to me right now right so okay well i don't know well yeah so then when i end up making the turn they pointed me to the good side and by good side i mean closest to the tv cameras so i'm like oh my gosh we finally did it and uh yeah i was i mean just or more of a relief and i and I, I was excited internally i was excited but i think i was more excited for the fact that steven samantha was there they were able to enjoy that win with us um the guys how, how hard they've worked all the, the hours that they've put in we've done a lot of testing this year we've done a lot of things um but just more for for the, the crew guys man I, uh, it was like you know just a little bit of a reward for them that that was kind of one of the best feelings of it. But then, you know, having uh Yeah, your sister and Caden there. My sister, yeah, and Caden. Caden comes up in the media room, and, of course, Caden's just a rock star, so he comes up in the media room, and he, when I got done with it, it I talked to him, and he he answered a couple questions, and, I mean, a six-year-old handling a mic in, <laughs> in a media room is just... Not scared. Not scared at all. And uh, so it was it was cool. The, the, the coolest... The, thing that 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 just i always think about of that race was a picture uh gary nastasi that took of the team everybody had beers in their hand coors light throwing beers in the air and i'm kind of leaned up on the car on the side of it and then you got caden on top with his hands in the air like in full screen mode (laughs) and i'm just thinking like and i'm thinking that's an awesome photo and then the second thought that goes through my head is like oh shh 
Is this? He's not drinking a beer or pouring a beer. He's well, fine. Yeah, but is this good? Good uncle situation or bad uncle situation? Like, I got a six year old on top of a race car with everyone chugging beers and throwing beers and all this. Like, it's perfectly fine. But, I think. But it, no, it was it was great, man. It was awesome. It was awesome experience. Uh, yeah, I got it. You got to really enjoy those moments because you don't know when it's coming back. Exactly. That's why I always say, like, you never know when or if like next wins ever coming. So like. That's why you celebrate the way you do. Yeah, might be the last one. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't, you you don't know. You don't know. And I didn't realize until I think you were still in the media center, like talking to Dell. Like that was his first win as a crew chief. So I thought that was way cool. He's up there. He's like, yeah, man. You know, after a win, like I didn't have to go to the media center. I didn't know what the hell to do. I didn't know where to go. <laughs> you kill me. <laughs> uh, it's so awesome having Dell over there. Dell working with Nikki is. I mean, just ah, oh, it's so it's so cool. It, Nonstop entertainment. The cool thing about dude, those two is like they keep the mood light at all times. It's it, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, it's for well the past few you know however many races. It's like we we get done with the race and it's like they kind of say what they got to say and then it's done, right? You know, and then it's on to the next race. Let's figure out how to get better. I mean. Dell and Dell and Nikki's passion to win is like, you know, at, at times it's like, I feel like I'm the most passionate person out there. I mean, I'm sure just like you feel that about yourself and everyone does, but it's like, I I watch these guys and, and how they interact and how they work and just, it's like, dude, you could tell, like, it's just, this is, this is their life. And that's the thing. It's like, it's all they've ever done. Well, exactly. So that those are the guys that you, you want in your corner when right. it's like, that's, I know what I do when I'm going to bed. I'm thinking drag race. I wake up. I'm thinking drag race, and and it's like you got those the same guys on your team, and it's it's awesome to be able to work with them. I mean, Dell's yeah, like he's Dell's a good much guy to have in your corner. Done it all as a driver. Like he knows what you're going through in the seat, understands the car, and just sure it like makes your job easier being able to work with somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. It's a good situation right now. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it finally happened. We all knew that it was going to happen. Like figured it happened a lot sooner than what it did but it just goes to show like how like you said how tough it is yeah and it I, makes you appreciate it more well absolutely and i kind of think with a lot of a lot of situations that have kind of been going on just it's like man I, you know i get so so mad and frustrated it's like what's this why can't we win i feel like there's times where i drive mediocre sometimes really good sometimes the car's mediocre sometimes the car's really good and it just never went together where it just everything fell into place. And, you know, we'd show signs of brilliance and then we'd struggle and we'd kind of just kind of had this circle effect going on where we kind of chased our tail a little bit. And uh, and I'm like, man, what like what the heck are we missing? Like we got I feel like we got all the ingredients. What's the deal? And it's just just kind of weird sometimes how life unfolds. You know, you, you, you wonder why you wonder like what's what's the deal and then it's like when it happens and the situation comes out it's like okay this is this is why i mean this you know i was able to dedicate the win to my dad and yeah uh, that was good i was able to see him um you know the couple days before the race but also a few days after the race and my sister and my nephews being out there um looking back now it's like man i wouldn't want it any other way i'm sure your dad was pumped after that yeah, oh, for sure. That yeah. was cool. Yeah. Way cool. Yeah, it was, it was uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you you. I wish he was out there, but you that's know, pr- that's probably the next best situation though. Like he was that close that. And trust me, he wanted to be. Him. He he. I, I'm sure, dude. He 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 had a whole plan together. And we're like, man, just chill. <laughs> we got plenty of time. Don't be another you. time. Yeah, yeah. We got plenty of time for for you to come out to the races. Yeah. Exactly. Also at Charlotte, four wide, they had a uh, an issue in Pro Stock Bike. Yeah. Where we got two trees. There's a tree in lanes one and two, and one and three and four. And I don't remember what lane. That was a semifinal or second round, right? I believe it was um, the, the second round, and I believe it was uh, with Hector Arana, and he was in, uh, was it lane three? He had to be in three or four, three, right? Because he couldn't see the light going on and off, which it was working in one and two. Yeah, so the tree, yeah, I, and and from what I had heard was that it was a uh, equipment malfunction um, where <laughs> it was the stage bulbs were reading in the tree in lanes one and two properly, but it wasn't reading in three and four properly. Um, okay, but why? And why did it happen against or with us or Top Fuel or Pro Mod? Like, it's electronics. They They always work until they don't. Like, can you imagine if that happened in your quad? Like, oh, we got to rerun you guys. Like, that would, for one, that's going to hold the show up because you don't just turn around a fuel car. I'm not saying it's easy to turn around a pro stock bike, but I feel like they can do it quicker. Yeah. That would be worst case scenario. And I I mean, I, I don't, without redesigning everything, I don't know how, how you could fix it. I mean, it's just. You know, I know from sometimes being involved in bracket racing, you you run into situations like that. I mean, there's just yeah, so what was going on was lane three's stage light was working in lanes one and two on the tree, but not three and four on Cor- their tree. Correct. So can you imagine you're trying to roll in and pre-stage a fuel car, and you're in lane three, but you never see your light come on. When do you stop rolling? Well, that's that's kind of what Hector did. If like if you watch the show, they have a starting line camera that showed like where he rolled all the way through, and then yeah, he was backing up and, and rolling. Was, yeah. yeah, so obviously, in that situation, there's I mean, there's really nothing you can do. You you have to rerun it. Right. It sucks for the people that were able to advance that the round first time, yeah. the first time. And then come back, but in all fairness of competition, I mean, what's, you know, it, it's it's not ideal. I mean, it's just a bad situation. I don't I don't know, um, how how you how you can fix that. You know, it's I guess just one of the bad situations that can come up during a four wide event because there there's some other kind of things that that we've seen um, just as far as like if they don't. You know they're not running f- four cars. Yeah, that's another thing that no one knows about, really. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said it. Well, no, I mean I feel like people need to know. Well, so one thing that you know, Jr. and I and Richie were constantly always we every every race, every round, every run, we're looking at the sheets, so we know we know what everyone's going to do before they do it. That's kind of our thing. Well. We kind of started picking up on like, you know, why is it that whenever there's three cars or less, 
it always says zero zero because two years in a row this happened to Richie right with three cars right not a full four four car deal yeah so you know it, it situational awareness and it, it was kind of we saw it and so yeah so they don't they don't have if there's four cars it's standard procedure auto start auto, you have auto start everybody pre-stages starter clicks the button auto start on go as planned there's three cars or less then it goes there's no auto start because you can sit there for however long it takes the starter to flip the switch they 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 don't have auto start if there's three or less so yeah it goes in and uh basically it reads on the sheet as zero zero but that's not necessarily the case because it's a manual start yeah the variance that takes for the light to come on yeah, I guess, it, yeah, I need to explain that a little better. Yeah, so you have the variance, which is 0.49. Uh, from 0 to 0.49, you have basically almost, you know, half a second that uh, a variance, short tree, long tree, just to kind of throw it off so people can't just one, two, three, go type of thing. But, yeah, so, yeah, it, it, I mean, dependent on the starter and not saying, you know, anything that we've, you know, the, the starters have done an exceptional job this year for the situations. And I'm not really sure of that situation, how it has all played out, but it's kind of like, you know, fortunately they have, I guess, more knowledgeable people at the four wides as far as that are in on the start starting line. I just wish in that situation going into that race or those races, if they would inform the drivers of things like that, because you don't find out until it happens. Right. Like I wouldn't want to be on the bad side of that. Right, yeah. But it's nice to know now, like, hey, like, there's three cars. Don't be messing around up there. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, so I guess that would be a situation where there is no auto start, so it's up to starter discretion on when he throws right. the tree, as far as, like, say, if there's three drivers. And then typically, if there's one driver stages, the other three have seven seconds to get in. But now if there's three or less... That's not the case. Yeah, it's it's basically at starter's discretion on when the tree gets thrown. Somebody's arguing that on here on Facebook. But we got it confirmed from NHRA and Bob Brockmeyer, who I'd, runs CopyLink, that it, that is the case. I mean, I, I had a personal discussion with Bob Brockmeyer. So, yeah, uh Moving on. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. When you face stage. Yeah. And, okay, so, yeah, Tim, you, when there's heads up, when there's two, yes. When there's four and a four wide, yes. When there's three or less than a four wide, no. Right. Because, basically, there's two, kind of two systems. I mean, we have a we have a time slip that says... No auto start. So yeah, like and that's a, the thing. The, the time slips always say auto start on on correct whatever. Well, when there's only three or less, it won't say that. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, I mean, unless if Bob Brockmeyer is wrong about his own system, good. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, nothing's a given. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> on to Atlanta. And I'm going to be honest, I don't like Atlanta. Well, to start off, what? So so talk about the Coca-Cola. Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm not talking about the city. I'm talking about the racetrack, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Thursday of the race, I got to go to uh, Coca-Cola headquarters for uh, the Champions Dinner, which was pretty cool. You've been to in the past. It's for uh, basically all the past champions can go there, and uh, they recognize you. And what was cool was usually Pomona – uh, previous year's champions get presented their championship ring and jacket on stage at pre-race ceremonies and all that. Well, Pomona, it rained. Phoenix, it rained. Gainesville, it rained. So it just kept getting pushed on and on and on. Like, maybe I'll get my stuff at the banquet. <laughs> but it worked out. They did it at uh, at the Coke headquarters in Alrond and, like, had us all up on stage. Even Tanner Gray was there, which I thought was cool. He came to that. Yeah, and he got he got his first win recently. Yeah, that weekend. Yeah, that's awesome. So Tanner was there, uh, Steve and Matt Smith, and we got our jackets and got our rings in front of everybody, which I thought it was cool just to be able to do that in front of guys like John Force and Ron Caps, guys I looked up to as a kid that they're there watching you get that. That, to me, means something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's why you do it. Yeah, and yeah. Like those those are the, the, the feelings that you get from that are exactly why you do it. Exactly. Nothing beats it. So we had some fun that night, then went on down to Commerce or up to Commerce, wherever the hell it is, and sat in the rain and just, I don't know. Not a fun weekend <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's awesome what Coca-Cola does. I think it's pretty cool that they put on a dinner event recognize all the past champions have everybody out there um and then you know you go down to the headquarters and you can kind of see a lot of the stuff and yeah like there's some execs there at the dinner like it's a cool thing that they do yeah no it's it's really uh, it's it's an awesome experience um they give you a lot of goodies and things like that like a lot of stuff they don't have to do yeah and that that's kind of where i was going with it is is a company that's that involved with the sport but to do something like that is above and beyond. Absolutely, and uh, it it definitely goes noticed amongst amongst the racers that um you know to have a, a sponsor like that committed to uh, to doing that. It's, it's it's really cool to be a part of. But yeah, so like you said, on to uh, I just have I just have Atlanta, and then I have uh, kind of in quotes, we sucked. I've always sucked there. It doesn't matter what <laughs> car, what team, whatever. Like, not good there. Atlanta, yeah. I'm, and, like, I'm same way. from Q1 there, like, I was just pissed off because I wasn't driving good. Like, is it me, the car, the track? Like, I don't care. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we ran good in qualifying. Like, we were number one after Friday night. Yeah, what? For, like... Driving in the dark. I mean, I suck at driving in the dark. That's one of those where you're, yes, yeah, yeah. Hit the gas and pray. Uh, everybody's windshields were fogging up and all that. Like, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, and you you had like some like wazoo the, uh, yeah, what a leaf blower. Yeah, but the way the way it was all like put together, it looked everyone was like stopping by and like snapping their necks, checking it out. Like, <laughs> what's Jr. got going on over Don't worry here? Worry about it. Nothing to see here. Yeah, nothing to see. Keep on walking. But no, like just, I, I, I thought it was just me, and then like I heard Forrest's interview and Wilkerson like, "Holy shit, that was awesome! That was like driving back in the day." Blah blah blah. Like cars all over the place. I couldn't see where I was going. I was like, man, I thought it was just me that had this problem. Like now I feel good about myself. Yeah, but that's. 
basically like the last good thing that happened because after that, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of racing there. Yeah, I was I was looking back at at like some of the uh some of the qualifying. I mean, there was there were some sessions that were really good and there were some sessions that were kind of hit or miss. Um yeah, I feel like there weren't a lot of good runs all weekend long. Like t- together, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you wouldn't have a, a complete session that where majority ran good. Correct. You'd have a few that ran good out of everyone that kind of put together a decent qualifying sheet but um yeah definitely looked like uh yeah i mean it was a little bit of a crapshoot nothing really nothing really stood out i mean you got yeah you you got a little bit of luck first round oh a lot of bit of luck smoke the tires jim campbell red lit that's always nice to have though that's always uh Got to take them any way you can get them. Yeah, you take them. Absolutely. That's a that's a fact. But in the end, like, I can't complain because we didn't move in points other than falling down in the old power rankings. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I guess looking back, yeah, we didn't we didn't really have any any success. You were the only one of us that got out of the first round. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we were lucky to do that. Right. So that that would be confirmed on my notes of. We just sucked. See, it's just one of those races that you just you you go out of it, and it's like no particular reason, just stuff didn't roll our way. Like, all right, well, now on to on to Virginia. Correct. I'm excited about going to Virginia. Yeah, no, Virginia's. I don't even know what the weather looks like, but um, by Sunday it's gonna get hot. But the first two days look all right. Like it's not gonna be terribly hot. I think if we're able to run there Friday night, like it'll be good. I, I got national tracks the other day, and they show like the past year's results or whatever, the track records and all that for that place. Like track records, not safe. Because it must have been when since it was so the- new last year. Like there wasn't a lot of rubber. I remember like you just kind of had to slide it on down there. Like it might have been a little hot. Yeah. So yeah, last year. Schumacher went 377 at 327. Um, he qualified number one. I think I saw the track record in Funny Car was 97. Yeah, that's probably going to get crushed. That might not even get you in the top half. So that must have been from before. Yeah, because last... Well, okay, I, that's qualifying. Courtney Force went 398. But she went 398 with a three. Number two was Robert Height, 4039. Number three was Ron Caps 4039. 500 on the field. So if anyone's looking at fantasy. That's last year's qualifying? That was last year's qualifying. Okay, so 98, that's the track record then, right? 98 with the three. I mean, unless someone did something better in elimination, I ain't looked that far. But, yeah, so for uh, fantasy purposes, I mean, someone's got fantasy. Uh, Brian Karate, who is Courtney Force's crew chief, now on John Force's car. That thing's been running good and qualifying, too. And, and they've been running very well. Um yeah, it looked like uh, it must have been hot on Sunday because I see a lot of tires. It was hot. I remember sitting in the car for 20 minutes during oil down, sweating my ass off. <laughs> oh, and Courtney Force ended up... Uh, she won. Okay, she? so so you were right. So the track record is 397. She went 397-2 in the second round. Okay. But yeah, um, and John actually runnered up last year, so... Yeah, so see, like that's not safe this year. Yeah, but 97, 
that that should get. I would I would suspect that that would get beat with how good that a lot of the cars are running. But that I mean, you want to talk about awesome track, Richmond. Ninety two was low in Atlanta. Yeah, I we should be able to run better than that. With how good the track is in Richmond, yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, dude, it's the smoothest track we go to. Right, it's like glass. Yeah, yeah. Torrance beat Dougie last year in the final. Torrance back on his winning ways now. Won two in a row. Yep. Leading the power rankings. I feel like you want to talk about the power rankings. I'm just stating the obvious. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're, there's been, I think a lot of people wonder about the power rankings. Um, All right. Which, I'm going to let JR finish this deal. I'll go ahead. No, I just feel like there's a lot there's like a lot of people like I, me personally I I I I like what they're doing with it. I don't always I don't really understand it. I but I I think I like the idea of it. Yeah. Let's simplify it though because I'm not smart when it comes to math, but I feel like if I can't understand like half the shit they're talking about these people following us and listening, like they don't know what they're talking about either. Right. Yeah. There's so many factors that go into this power ranking thing. I get what they're trying to do. Like MLB has power rankings. NFL has power rankings. I mean, even NASCAR like might have power rankings, but that's different. Like a lot of that's driver based because the driver gets this car and he drives around and gets the best out of it. A driver in drag racing can only do so much. Like, I can't make that thing go 330 miles an hour. But that's one of the factors going into this power ranking. Is mile an hour? Yes. Right. And, like, you're 60 foot. Well, our cars don't go 860s. Some other ones do, though. Right. We can't make that up. Right. So that's another stupid thing. Right. I agree. Yeah. Um, See, I I like the power ranking. I like how it. And I mean, I like what it what it's trying to do. I just wish that there was like, I guess I look at power rankings from baseball because I have a fantasy team. I look at power rankings from like the NASCAR stuff because I do NASCAR. Well, I did do NASCAR fantasy league, but like the power rankings for the NHRA, like I just don't know where where does it go. The issue because like you know who's doing good because we follow it. Well. Because there's point standings. Correct. The issue I have is say Joe Blow's sponsor that doesn't know a whole lot about drag racing, or he's interested in getting into drag racing. He's looking at this particular driver. Well, shit, this guy's not even in the power rankings, and he's a top ten team. Like, why am I going to sponsor him? Or like, yeah, you say you're that good. Like, you're not even in these power rankings. Like, whatever. Like, they're putting so much emphasis on it that it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know. The guys are winning races, but they fall down in their damn power rankings. That, to me, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's, you know, always ways to improve. I guess I, like I said, I just wish that there was there was something for it. Like, the power rankings, like, I just think that, the, I mean, I'm just, I think they need to get back the fantasy stuff. They need to get back the fantasy stuff, get the fans involved in it. I think the fans that get involved in it because... 
in this day and age, I think you have a lot of people up in the grandstands that, that watch the racing. It's like, okay, two cars. And especially at the four wides, like the four wides is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's a lot of, they just watch four cars go down the track. Right. Right. So it's just the race cars that are racing. You're there watching the race cars. Now, I think that you have, you know, John Force fans. I think you have Britney Force fans. I think you have... Oh, I know a Britney Force has fans because we were parked across from her in Atlanta and the back of her pit stayed crowded all weekend. Right. Not mine, but because right. I could see hers. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you're just like, you're, you're yelling at the guys in the back like, hey, I can sign, I can sign for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm free over here. They're like, no, I'd rather <laughs> wait over here for 30 minutes. But, yeah, I, 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 I look at, like, Antron Brown, you know, but... I think for a lot of like the up and coming drivers, it's I, I guess the only reason why I can relate to this is because my first year, I, I just I still have this vision in my head of like this guy coming up. He's wearing a Tony Schumacher crew shirt uh, and he comes up and like, hey, man, I got you in fantasy this weekend. Like I'm pulling for you. It's like, hey, that, that's awesome. Like, you know, and, and it, it gets, gives him a reason to follow you. It gives the fans a reason to follow the specific drivers. I, I, I mean, I'm going to admit, baseball, I'm a big baseball fan, but I don't really know all these new up-and-coming kids. I remember the Frank Thomases, the King Griffey right. the those big names, but these new, like, the reason why I know so many of the players now is because I do fantasy baseball. So I can follow the individuals, and I track their stats throughout the year. And the rankings matter. The power rankings, the the stats, the, you know, what are the trends of this guy? Like, that stuff matters because do I put him in the lineup this week or not? Yeah, you're invested in him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think having, having like, a, a fantasy league, a power rankings that can entice the fantasy league to get more people exposed to it, to get more people exposed to the individual drivers, to get people rooting for specific drivers, not just rooting for two cars. Yeah, right. I get I'm, it. Now, now it's your turn. I get it. I'm with you. I just know that every week when I open Twitter and I want to get real pissed off, I read the power rankings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree that Robert Height and Torrance should be at the top. Like, yeah, you got two best cars, make best runs a lot. Yeah, you can't it's argue just, with the fact the, with Robert It's just Hyatt. the shit that below it, like, it has me scratching my head sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd move on. Well, yeah, if you want to talk about head scratchers, how about maximum security at the <laughs> Kentucky Derby? <laughs> who oh, I placed man. a wager on. So I'm at Applebee's in commerce outside the racetrack. And uh there's a table behind us. Richie and I and a couple others are having dinner. And there's a table behind us having a bet. Like, hey, you guys want in this pool? I'm like, yeah, what's the deal? We just pick your horse. Like, I can pick any horse. Well, yeah, these three or four already take it. Maximum security, not take them. Like, mine. <laughs> Wins. Got cash in my hand. I'm like, yeah. You should have ran. That would have been your only chance. Nope. Give it back. Yeah, so... I don't know if Forsyth, I don't know if he's still watching, but so Forsyth calls me. He's like, dude, for sure bet. I got this horse, right? How does he know? He's got a guy. That knows mutters? He knows a guy. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, this, I can't remember what the dang horse's name. It wasn't Maximum Security. It was some other horse. Uh, was it Another horse had pretty pretty decent odds. I think he was like, 
nine to two. I'm trying to think. One of the favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this is the horse. Yeah, Forsyth. What was that horse's name? Tell me. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so uh, he's like, gotta gotta bet this horse, man. This is this this horse. This thing's gonna be good, you know. So it's like, all right. Uh, so I'm I'm talking with Chad Head. Chad Head and I we do some we do some. Little it's bit not of, hard to convince Chad to bet either, dude. Chad will bet on a bet, right? Like he will bet you that he I'll can, bet you that he don't win. Well, he, he that bet, yeah, exactly. Like Chad, Chad is a guy that will be like, I'll bet you that I can get you to bet on that bet, like right. type of deal. Improbable. That that's what the horse was. So we're like for sure. All right. So I'm talking with Chad. I'm like, yeah, man, we like. We either get on this horse or we just pick another because, you know, hey, if if one of us wins, maybe we'll we'll be good. Well, so we're we're talking back and forth. We're like, yeah, maybe this maximum security. Like, all right, so Forsyth's going to take this improbable. We'll take this maximum security. One of us two is going to win. Either way, we can cheer for the other one or, you know, but one of these two is going to win. This damn maximum security led rail to rail. Yes, he did. I mean, right out of the gate, because he's fast. Yes, and in the mud. That's the issue I had. Yeah, in the mud. He was the favorite when it was going to be dry. So whip your damn horse harder if you want him to beat that that horse. I know. So, yeah. So, I mean, this – I mean, we we had a little bit of a bad run in some of the basketball games. So we were really looking forward to this bet. The sure bet. This was was our way of – like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna wash out, uh, we're gonna wash out these bets. And we're gonna be good. So yeah, this thing this thing wins, and I was I was back at the hotel. Chad was out at dinner. We're hooting and hollering. Yeah, I got our money back. We're good. Yeah, this is awesome. And then I hang up the dang phone, and all of a sudden, there's all this controversy going on for like ten minutes. It seemed like yes, and I'm just like, you got it. I called Chad back. And you know what? What? <laughs> you no, you're shitting me, and it, just pissed. And I I'm, heard that it was not good if you're at the restaurant around him. <laughs> he was, was, it was the conversation was comical, but I mean, I'm just like, you gotta be shitting me, man. This dang horse, I mean, led wire to wire, and then they pull up. Could you imagine being? The horse that ended up winning and having the ticket, and, and you just like throw it down because you well, lost. Yeah, because obviously there's a lot of controversy in, in maximum security moved lines and blocked out some of the other horses. So you have that ticket. You're at the Kentucky Derby. Maybe you're the guy that says, "I got screwed. That guy cut me off." You get pissed, throw your ticket in the trash, and you're heading out the gate to beat the the traffic. And you get outside the gate and go, "Huh." My horse with just one. I mean, I don't know if anybody would do that, but yeah. there is a chance that somebody might have done that. I bet somebody did. Dude. Can you imagine how many Chad heads were in Las Vegas that have maximum security for a lot more money? Yeah. Yeah. And how that went down. Oh, my gosh. I yeah, mean, well, because, yeah, I don't. Uh. Like, you mean to tell me all these years of the Kentucky Derby? That that's never happened before, or like, how about when they leave the gate that they're not beating and banging into each other, crossing? 
I mean, I wa- I watched this movie once, and they said Rubin's racing. I tell you what, if I was a horse jockey, yes, I'd be for that yeah. much money. You're not passing me. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get your real horse. wide. <laughs> and the horse, like he cut off initially, didn't even protest. I thought that's what it was about. The horse on the inside. No, it was this one out here. Yeah, I don't even think that he he placed top three. Correct. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Anyways. To- we don't talk about horse racing on the Nomex effect because they don't even wear Nomex. I, I'm just, I'm still bitter about my loss on the bet, though. I mean, yeah, mine wasn't even triple digits, but it was still a cash. I feel, yeah. Could have bought a couple rounds of beers that night with it. Yeah. Yeah, you should, I would have been over there immediately. Like, Oh, me- but the thing is, so everybody gave their money back and it carries over until this weekend. The Preakness. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. So I'm kind of liking where I'm at. But didn't that, didn't that, isn't that jockey like on a 15 day suspension? Oh. Yeah. I'm not sure if we get the same horses though. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I don't know how. So that jockey's in trouble? Yeah. I I thought I saw something on. Oh my God. Whatever. (laughs) Horse racing. So let's talk about some new stuff. What do we got? New schedule. Yeah, a new schedule came out today. It's kind of different. We're going to Epping before Indy, which that's going to be weird. Yeah, so they moved because of the month or the the, the because the, of the way Labor, Labor Day falls. Right. Indy is now in all of September. So September 2nd to 7th, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. So they had to move that back a week. Well, they only have, typically, they have Brainerd a weekend off. Yeah, uh, okay, I mean, Brainerd's not exactly close to here, but all the guys are driving this way. Most of the teams are here. So it's not that big of a deal to drive here to go to IRP for two days and test. But now we're coming from Epping. Epping is way further than Brainerd. Yeah, that that's a little bit of a little bit of a haul. Um, I mean, do we not test Tuesday? Wednesday, Thursday? I thought it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or is it Wednesday, Thursday? I think Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, but still, it's going to take two days to get here. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's for the most part. Um, when I say that, but so they swapped. Uh, what did they swap? Um, they moved Richmond end of May, and they got a. Oh, and I think we're off for the Kentucky Derby next year. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chad was all excited about that because he wants to go. Oh, bud. Yeah, we're gonna have to start looking into that. I'm not betting maximum security. I'll promise you that. I'm going to bet whoever owns the one horse I had in Brandon's pool, uh, Roadster. What's the guy's name? He looks like Ric Flair. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the Woo Man. Yeah. His horses always win. Yeah. Yeah, He he's like the, the Bill Belichick of horse racing. Right. Yeah, so we got uh, pretty much the same schedule. They They moved around, what, Chicago and Epping. 
Yeah, they kind of moved Chicago back to where it kind of originally was. It was always around 4th of July, so it's back to that. I think it's the week after the 4th of July now. Yeah. Which was kind of their original spot because last year they flipped it with Epping, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Epping got moved to August 21st to 23rd, right after Brainerd, in between Brainerd and Indy. And then it looks like, they, like I said, they they moved Chicago, and then they look like they moved Dallas back to its original date. But, you know. As long as they're not, like, messing around with the Western Swing or anything stupid like that, because NASCAR changed their schedule way up next year. Oh, really? Yeah. What are they doing? Um... I think Bristol is a playoff race. So they they changed the playoff, the tracks that are in the playoffs? Yep. And I think Daytona or Talladega, one of them, is the last race before. It's like one of the cutoff races. It's like, that's never good either. Huh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's going to be sketchy. Right. I think that would be, that's kind of a cool idea. I mean, we go Reading, Charlotte, St. Louis, Dallas, Vegas, Pomona. But I think that'd be kind of cool to throw some of these other tracks into the mix. Like if maybe you would rotate out one or two a year. That yeah, would... I could see that. But we're, I mean, it's all got to be like the right time of year for some of these places also. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I mean we I'll... could go to Florida later in the year. Gainesville, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like what would... What tracks would you really have the opportunity? Obviously, you know, Denver, Sonoma, Seattle would kind of be out on that just because you wouldn't want to, just for travel costs, go back. But I don't know, maybe like Chicago they used to have at the end of the year. Yeah, that's when they hauled ass there. And that was fast. Yep. That was really fast. So I think that would be cool. I think I think going to a track like Norwalk, put Norwalk in the playoffs because with, at least with, if you did it there, like they would have a serious show. Like well, you would make a huge deal about it. Yeah, with Bader's with, would with how good Bader's promote their track. I yeah, mean, that place would be insane. I mean, I think Brainer would be kind of cool to have in the playoffs. I mean, the the everybody there's just pumped. <laughs> That's the coolest place. Like you turn off the track, pumped or drunk, pumped and drunk. <laughs> But one of the coolest things about Brainerd, and I wish they they had more tracks that had the access to like what they do, but I think it's the coolest thing ever that when we turn off the track, do our standard deal, talk on the TV or, or on the PA for the track, and then the guys get everything uh, situated with the car, and then you head to the scales. And when you get out of your tow vehicle for the scales – there's like a rail along the fence of just fans, and they're yeah, it's just way down in the shutdown area too. Like they can't see shit down there, right? And except they're, cars with parachutes going by. I mean, it's it's as deep as you can see. Uh, yeah, it's just, cool. Just they a, want you to come sign stuff. Just and, a flood of people, and then it then it's awesome that you know you know a lot of times what I'll do is I'll get out and I'll toss my hat or maybe sign a couple things, and they hoot and holler and cheer and. You got some guy saying stop by camp whatever and drink a beer later tonight. Yeah. So it's I, I like the interaction like that with, with the fans of them being down there. But I think it'd be awesome to be able to have something like that but have like a, a, in a sense like a winter circle when you turn off the track but being able to allow like yeah, access like, to the fans. That's not saying it sucks but like 
the way we celebrate now, like you're not celebrating with anybody. Right. Yeah, you can you kinda you get out of the car, you give your interview, and then the camera the comes moment's like gone. And then the camera comes by and they go, Get excited and you're like, Ooh, yeah. You're yelling for nobody. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> everybody does the awkward Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, how long am I supposed to do this? Yeah. Keep holding the trophy, keep holding the trophy. You're like, my arm's tired. The confetti now. machine's broke. Yeah. But I think it'd be awesome to like I think Brainerd that'd be bitching if they had Yeah, to. they would go nuts up there for something like that. Yeah. You 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 have maybe it bring us back a little bit closer to, to like the scales. Like for the winners to come there, you have a lot of the fans there. I think it yeah, I think that'd be awesome. I'm with you. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. 'Cause then then you then you could do like what we talked about, jump into the crowd. Do a little crowd surfing. Try not to Whoa. get hurt. Why can't we do this now? We got that mellow yellow vehicle, which it's not that big. But you could throw half a dozen, dozen fans in there after a final ride away and bring them down to us. Because if you're the funny car winner, you have to wait on top fuel no matter what. Right. So yeah. have them shipped up and ready as soon as top fuel runs. Bring them down there. By the time he's done doing his interview, like, then we do our celebration thing on stage. Then we eventually go back up where the crowd is. That way we're not totally by ourselves. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a, like a VIP winner thing, you know, to come down there and. Yeah, no, because it, it was kind of funny because like going back to Charlotte, get out of the car, do the interview. Everyone's taking pictures, do the woo. And then you raise the trophy. And then all of a sudden it's like everybody just goes turns away from Yeah, they're you. gone, yeah. And then you're just standing there by yourself holding the trophy like, uh, all right, what do I do now? I don't right. even know where to go. Yeah. And they're, everyone's focusing on like the top fuel final. Who's going to win that? So, And then you kind of forget your guys are on their way down there to see you like, oh, shit, yeah, they're coming. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what to do right now. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of things we could do to improve on that, I think. Make it more like get the fans involved. Yeah, one I think one cool thing that I I saw the other day from from NASCAR is they're having a show where all of the drivers. Yeah, that's I think this next race at, at Charlotte, the Xfinity race. It's going to be like all Cup guys doing the show, right? Right. I, I thought that like there's that, no TV people. Right. I I mean, you know, I I just thought that was a cool idea. I've thought like. Why not have like, not saying you or I, but like pro drivers like do the sportsman shows. I'm sure it'd be tough to do like if we're still in competition or whatever, because I'm sure they do it in between the pro show, right? On Sunday. Yeah. But somehow like if you could do that, I think that'd be cool. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that, that I think it'd be great. Bring a lot of insight. Something, I guess a different dynamic. Yeah. That'd be, yeah. Absolutely. Or something else we wanted to talk about was, uh, I think this was in Vegas. Matt Smith and Steve Johnson. Oh, yeah. I didn't, what? I, for, I didn't even see it until you told me, and I went back and watched it, which, whatever. Like, I see both sides, kind of, what each person's saying. Yeah, so... Um... I mean, I guess it's like the hobby racer versus the the full time the full time racer, which Matt's right. I mean, a lot of the pro stock guys like it's their golf game. 
Right. Because they have businesses that allow them to go do what they're doing. Right. And not saying anything negative directed towards anybody, but to Matt Smith's point, like, I understand what he's saying about the fact of, like, hey, look, this is my full-time job. And, like, I work on the stuff all throughout the week. Yes. And so, like, when other people are are at their other jobs and I'm doing all this, like, I should probably have some sort of an advantage because... He works his ass off to do it. I work my ass off to find extra speed, extra power, you know, better ET. But then you work your ass off and you go out there and you get 500s on the field. What are they going to do? Oh, they're going to penalize you for sure. Well, you're going to get penalized. And it's a little bit of the same thing. Like, and it's the problem is, is like when you have classes like that where you got to keep the parity, you know, because pro mod pro mods the same way. Like if you go out there and you work your ass off and you get six or seven hundreds out uh, advantage on anybody like the other guy could just be going to his job from Monday through Friday and then show up to the next race ain't pulled his car out of the trailer and say well why does like that's not fair he's got seven hundreds on me and he didn't have to do anything right so not saying that that's what they do by any means everybody works you know I'm sure as much as they can on their equipment and does a, a great job at that, but it, it puts NHRA in a tough position because you don't want somebody blowing the doors off of everybody week in and week out. Correct. So you, you have to keep that within the class, but what, especially like you can't have Harleys out there dominating because Joe blow the pro stock bike can't go buy a Harley from what I understand. Right. Or if he can, he can't afford it because they're going to price it too high to where you can't get it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, you know, but on the flip side of it, like where he talks about the, the, the hobby racers that, that come out. Well, let's be honest. Everybody's a hobby racer because right, all the pro team owners are hobby racers. I mean, basically, yeah, yeah and, it's and, not their like business. Said, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying this, you know, to, you know, uh, in a bad way, but I'm just like the realistic side of it is that's the state of our sport. Our sport is a hobby sport because you look at this is the way that I feel is that you look at a lot of the team owners and the only reason why they have the teams that they have is because they have other successful businesses that allow them to have these teams. Cause you can't really make money drag racing. You can't like <laughs> with the sponsors, the sponsorship value money that that's in it right now versus the budget of what it costs to put a truck and trailer and 10 crew guy or eight to 10 crew guys on a team to be able to turn these cars around for the TV show and just travel is the main thing, but parts costs, everything like that. Like the budget is what it is. It's not going to change. Now you got these new tariffs that come out from, from China and like now nitro is probably going up. Right. I mean, we get our nitro through China. So now you have more budget going up, you know, just everything. So you you really look at it and it's like. I to to what you had said, I see both sides as well. Yeah, I I don't know. I the issue I have, like we live here in Indy, right? Big month here, Indy 500 coming up. 
there's like certain teams that are just like dying just to make the show because it's a huge payday to run last in that thing. Right. Dead last. Correct. But even, that, even bigger payday to win the thing. And that's that's the uh, a little bit of the scale of where we have. It's like, okay, so you have, for instance, a three to four million dollar budget, whatever, to run a top fuel car. Well, you can't win enough races to get your money back. No. And if you're coming out with a $500,000 budget or $300,000 budget or whatever your budget is to come out to the races, typically your intentions are is I'm going to go out there and try to qualify for first round and probably lose first round, but I'm going to get $10,000. You can't make your money back. No, that's why we should at least raise for 100000 every race. To where these small teams, if they like back into a win, like that's big for them. At, at fifty thousand dollars, absolutely. If a small team were able to win fifty thousand, absolutely. But I mean, if they were to win a hundred, oh, a hundred, absolutely. That they would like that's going to entice me more to go than this ten grand or eight grand like non qualifier money or sixty five hundred. You know what I mean? Like, put some big money out there for me to try and win like hmm yeah cuz well cuz if you look at the the value right now of what it costs to for some of these teams that that have where they just want to come out make some qual make two qualifying runs go out and you know we're probably going to lose first round i've heard some of them go well shit we won we won first round yeah, now, now we lost money now we got to go to second round there's only a $4000 increase per round Right, like so, it goes ten to fourteen to eighteen to twenty-two for runner-up, and then fifty to win. But like, so now they they get disappointed. So some of the times they don't even come back. Right, because it's more work. You're at risk of tearing up more shit, losing more money. Right, but so, okay, so put more money in the pot. Oh, absolutely. Make this thing a hundred to win, like, and pay it back further to where these guys win first round. It's not just ten grand, like. Smaller teams can maybe recoup some of their money. Right. If they were to have a good day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I think it's it's the hard find is how do you take care of the small teams while also taking care of the big teams or vice versa, taking care of the big teams, but also you gotta you gotta have you gotta have the, the guys coming in racing the part time schedules to fill. So how do you cater to them as well and make it Right. And okay. I don't know if this would do anything, but hundred grand to win. If we have a million dollar to win championship, is that going to change anything? Instead of five hundred, I mean, it would definitely be nice. Absolutely, I think. I think uh, in big value, I think from a marketing advertising standpoint, oh, that sounds way better. You can you can sell something that says a million. Yes. But I think when you, you know, and this is this is kind of where we get into these touchy situations where, you know, we appreciate what what, what we have. But I think when it's a, when you, you're doing something to win a million or more, that in itself will advertise itself. Yeah. And you can sell that. Win a million. Uh, how could it not say like the U.S. Nationals pays Two hundred fifty thousand dollars a win. You advertise that people are going to pack the stands to see that. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, we're bright. We're bracket racing for five hundred thousand dollars. That. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the issue I have. Like, there's three or four bracket races now, right? That are paying a quarter mil plus. Uh, yeah, at least, yeah. And I'm, I have a problem with that. Like, that there's there's potential talks of next year some bracket races paying a million to win. That's the issue I have. I get I, it. It's based on car I've count. Heard, heard a few in yeah. this and that, but like nothing against bracket racing any of that but like that's not the top tier of our sport right that would be like dirt late model racing paying more than when the daytona 500 that would seem awkward would that i mean right yeah Yeah. right yeah 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 yeah. i mean i yeah i I definitely think that there's i don't know what the fix is though like a lot of times it's like you know if you there's a problem with something what's the solution hell i don't know man because it's like where, well, that means somebody somewhere needs to go to work, mm-hmm. get some more money and <laughs> involved in the sport, right? Yeah, but it's I I think it's how do you how, I mean, in I guess getting back to where we started with this, the only the only way that this sport runs like, you have the team owners have successful businesses. I mean, you look at Connie. Yeah, he has. Don Schumacher. Now, John Force, he came from the 90s. That was a different era with Don Perdone, Kenny Bernstein, others that made a lot of money from that era. They were smart about drag racing then. Correct. And, but you have the John Force, the Don Schumacher, the Connie Coletta. You have Capco Torrance. Capco has a very successful business. You have um Tasca very successful business I mean the Grays the Skillmans the like you look at Butner like everybody behind them has successful businesses right yes so in this day and age J.R. Todd doesn't start up J.R. Todd Racing Sean Lane doesn't start up Sean Lane at Racing probably not gonna happen either it's it I mean I'd like for it to but I would I would if there was budget I would love to do it. Correct. But it's just, it it's not in this sport right now, the way this, this sport is, can't do it. And Sean you, Langdon Racing is a couple super comp cars. Correct. Because, like, that's what you can afford to do. That yeah. And you have potential to make more money at yeah, that you, level. Well, and I'm not saying, like, it's all about money or whatever, but. But, that, okay, well, let's let's be honest. I'm just, I don't know. I mean, none of this happens without money. Correct. That's why I'm getting mad because our sport needs to be in a better place. And the only way it's going to get there is more money. Right. And we we have a lot of things that have been trending better. TV, ratings, social media impressions. But our point is, is TV ratings and social media impressions you don't put in the fuel tank to fire up your nitro car. Like it's gotta, it's gotta come from something like I can't put it, like 3.4 million views down the side of that funny car and make it go down the track. Yep. That paid for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, so yeah, it's, I think the sport, the sport has evolved into it where, where it's, it's a little bit of a, a hobby sport. I mean, you look at like a lot of the pro mods that come in 
pro mods they they come in that a lot of them have successful businesses it's you know we're 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 in good situations yeah we're we're lucky we're we're extremely lucky we're we're able to race for these guys that this is what they love to do and that's why they still do it but they're they're not making money they're investing their money into these cars to cover up budgets correct you know so it's yeah what how does how does the sport my question is how does the sport get out of the little bit of a funk to where it gets back into the 90s where you have the John Forces, the Kenny Bernsteins, the, these these people, yeah, got Don Perdomes, Budweiser, that are, that are coming in with these huge sponsors that have their own teams that 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 have the value, right? Yeah, I somehow, some way, they're out there. They just got to be presented right. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to come calling you. Hey, we love what you guys are doing. Like, we want to get involved. Like, no. Yeah. Those days are over. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Be be interesting to see where where kind of things things lead. You know, but there's always there's all I think there's always going to be the argument of the hobby racer or the full-time racer yeah and i don't right what what started that argument because matt got penalized where he was going to or i yeah i think it had something to do with getting penalized uh i don't know if it was did they put weight i don't i don't know yeah i missed that part but yeah i mean like i i I, I feel like classes like that like pro mod even maybe pro stock, if there are more manufacturers involved, like it's so hard to police all that stuff. Yeah. And the thing with, I think with pro mod right now, pro mod is hot. Pro mod is badass. Pro mod is going to be, I think, I feel like the next wave that, that comes in and is, is that little bit of fresh air that comes in that, creates a little controversy and gets kind of the fans riled up. And I think with a lot of the other racing that's going on with it, but my suggestion is don't change a thing. Somehow, like I agree to that to an extent, but like you also got to police it because I feel like if you let it get too far out of hand, like one category within pro mod will have an advantage over the other than like be a big pissing match. Like the, the pro charger thing, like that's a hot deal now. Everybody's got to have one. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's come to NHRA soon. To where, like, do you want to see 16 pro chargers race each other? If they can get the car count, I. But the problem is, is where do you have the time? Like, do you prolong the show, make it a longer show, and get? A pro charger class, a turbo class, right, and that's kind of like where PDRA is now, right? Or well, was. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna basically have a show within the show if you do that. So at some point, if you were to do that, do you cut out the sportsman show? Okay, that, yes, my opinion. If you're gonna do that, and you want to have say, I would try this. Like you, ha- this is where you have those Saturday night shows, like no sportsman. And everything's like, 
everybody's got to be like this. Bam, bam, bam. Maybe have eight car fields of pro mods, but you have supercharged, nitrous, turbo, pro charger. Yeah. I mean, if like those are good fillers for the fuel cars and pro stock and pro stock bike and whatever else. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they would put on a great show. I like that idea, but on the flip side of that, I think it takes away a little bit because when you have four different winners and now you're trying to promote four different winners versus you have one winner, the one winner, right. the one winner is the guy, right? That's your guy. Yeah. That's, that's the guy you're promoting. That's the guy you get to do the media that gets to do the interviews. Now you got four guys. Now that now it's a 25% sp- split. Versus the one guy that gets the hundred percent, right? Yeah, I agree. Which, uh, how many races have they run? Three, oh, I think so. Four. They've all been won by blower cars, right? I believe so. I'm pretty sure. Who won the last race? Uh. Manzo's car, Castellana. Castellana, that's right. So Castellana, Stevie Jackson, Tuttero. Janice won one. Janice. Yeah. Four blower cars. Yeah, but man, the the turbo cars are making really yeah, good. Yeah, I feel like the turbo cars are always right there, like qualifying. Nitrous cars, there's only two nitrous cars. Now, that's the issue I have. Now, yeah. And, but I, I think that the... Now, from what I've heard, but some of the nitrous guys have gotten kind of tapped out as far as the potential, like the run potential, like they're maxed out. Well, just, yeah, like the the run potential, like if you make a picture perfect run in a blower car, in a turbo car and in a nitrous car, cooler conditions, to my knowledge, and I'm speaking a little bit out, but I think cooler conditions, okay, maybe close, but if like the summer months, that's when the nitrous cars shine. Right. But so I don't I don't know where I, I, I think it's you know, how do you get the, the nitrous cars back in? But I mean then then it's like you, you kinda run into the deal where a lot of people are running out like running away from the nitrous stuff, but then uh you have uh what was his name? Chad Green comes out and goes number two qualifier in Atlanta. Right. So, you know what? That that shows decent potential. I mean, big speed for a nitrous car, 251. Yeah. I just don't want it to be where it's all turbo cars or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But I, I, I think when I... That's a class that I watch. I pay attention. You want to see some cool stuff, bring back screw blower cars and let them have at it. Dude, that means so I was watching before you came over here. They had uh, Australian drag racing on Mav TV. Like Frankie Taylor, I raced against him in the ADRL screwblower car. Like he was in Australia, just racing. Like they're still around, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're badass cars. They'll run five sixties. <laughs> that's getting it. I mean, over here they'd probably run five fifties, five forties, no problem. But it's not exactly safe either. I don't know if I'd get in one. I don't know if I could drive one of those things. Nah, it's not that bad. I'd love to try, though. 
Tried anything once. Yeah, right, right, right. What else we got? Track prep. We're kind of dealing with that a little bit again. But I will say that whatever it is, like they seem like they're being consistent. Somewhat. It's not like it was at the beginning of last year where you didn't know what it was going to be. And it was changing. Right. Yeah. I th- I think the problem with last year was they just were trying to figure out what to do. Yes. And On the fly. On the fly. It was, hey, we need to slow the cars down, change the track prep up. Okay, how do we do that? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> figure I'll figure it, it out. out. Yeah. But I think now that, you know, I think now they're they're getting a little bit a little bit better with it. Um and I, I but I think I think you've seen that in the results of the racing though. I think you see you see there's been some good races. I don't know, I feel like there have. Like the last couple though, it seems like you're seeing guys spin and stuff in the final. Like that's what I don't like seeing. The cars getting down track, putting holes out and stuff like that. I get it, like it's your job to figure it out. But if you if the track's not quite what it was the previous rounds, and like it's kind of tough for you to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why you know we rely a lot on communication, and uh, and rely on a lot of our track guys going out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like when you have the communication level up between NHRA crew chiefs and track guys, yeah then I feel like you see a lot better racing. And I feel like when that goes away and people start having their own agendas, then I feel like you see that in the results. Yeah, like that's kind of what stinks is like now the crew chiefs and the track guys, like they get, I think it's two minutes to check the track. Right. Before they're lighting cars, after they're done prepping it. Which I get, they're trying to speed up the show and this and that but if you also you want to have a good show you gotta kind of let them see what's going on yeah I, I i agree with that i think that yeah you need to uh i mean that's why we hire those guys is to go and look at the track and give us back good concrete uh you know from of what they see and I mean, we, uh, you know, I mean, uh, by a great amount, we dictate how we tune the car off of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I know just by sitting in the lounge, you hear like, well, hey, the grip number so-and-so, like, well, that determines, like, if you're going to get after it or not. Right. So, changes everything. I mean, you know, it's, there's there's a lot of changes that have to be made if you're going to go out there and try to go 389 or 390 or 396 or 397 and then like the guys are taking grip numbers at this part of the day on this day well that might not be the same two days from now because the prep might not be exactly what it was then yeah like that's the tough part yeah like they're trying to forecast the prep it's a it's definitely a big guessing game i mean i don't envy their position it's it's uh when you're racing for hundreds of a second but there are thousands of a second, really. Right. But the track dictates up to f- four, five, six, seven hundreds. Then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it's definitely like two different mentalities. 
and it's I mean you, you see you see them a lot at the crossroads of you know you don't want to go up for the final and get outrun by 500s but you don't want to smoke the tires either you want to get off the starting line yeah 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 it's a crapshoot that's why I'm not a crew chief yeah exactly we just say yep sounds good I'll hold it straight try to try to figure it out Somebody on here asked if any of the Coletta VIPs been tossed off the starting line like Snake and Lisa from Denzo. Good luck telling the old man they can't be on the <laughs> on the starting line. I think I heard something about that they said something to him about you can't bring up the golf cart up here or something. I like think that. it might have been Pomona. And he just He's like get out of my way. Get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, and Don Prudhomme. I saw that happen in Pomona, I think. Like, I'm like, oh, that's not going to go well. I just don't get it. Well, yeah, and then obviously Lisa from Denzo. At her event. Denzo sponsors the event. Like, I don't. We talked about this. Like, nothing against the sanctioning body or anything. But if you're sponsoring an event, the Nomex effect. Not driving anything. You you want to sponsor an event. I'm going to make sure that there's somebody with you at all times getting you whatever you need. Oh, you're thirsty, Sean? Here's a water. Yeah. Oh, the sun's in your face. Here's an umbrella. Yeah. You, want to, you want to go to the starting line? Right this way, sir. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Come on. Damn. I, I 1,010% agree on that. That's. Yeah, I mean, you you got it. Like, I mean, that's all we've, we've talked about a lot is you know how difficult it is to obtain sponsors, and I mean, everybody sees it from all different angles, from the NHRA to the teams to everything, and like, yeah, you got to go above and beyond, and like, do whatever sh- it takes to keep them happy. You make sure that yeah, you make sure they're taken care of. Like, I mean, if she wants to go to the start line and watch. Every single car that goes down the track, put her a chair next to the starter. And get her a damn umbrella with a water and a towel. I mean, shit. Like, yeah, I don't. I mean, I understand there's a protocol and there's insurance and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, like, there's three things that you probably shouldn't do throughout the weekend. And the first one is take care. Like, do not kick the, the, the official sponsor off the starting line. Okay. Like, just start with that, and then we'll work into the others. Keep going. I'll get back to that. I mean, yeah, you just... Hey, you're promoting a race next weekend, right? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Forsyth and I. Let's say yeah. you guys have a big uh, series sponsor right, for this race. Right. The CEO of this company comes out, wants to hang out. What are you guys going to do? Well, I mean... So, yeah, so, I mean, we have, we have a lot of sponsors, you know, throughout the whole deal, but I understand like a little, a lot of little sponsors, whatever, but I'm just saying like one big company is going to give you $200,000 Well, to, to put his name on this event. I, I wish they were giving 200000 okay, but yeah, but, but yeah, no, so yeah, so we, we basically for, um, at the, uh, at the Fontana race, Silver State Commercial Refrigeration is a sponsor. Nice um, plug. Yeah. And uh, 
Well, but but Shane Thompson, he he actually races in the event, right? And his daughters will race as well. But yeah, I mean, okay, if it's not him, I'm just saying that you got some corporate dude out there. Yes. No. Yeah. What, that, what see, do you want? Let's say he's never been there before. What do you want? I mean, you like you I wouldn't even s- ask him what he wants. You just w- give him everything. <laughs> like, you, I mean, you want to sit in between the race cars all day long, right? You want to ha- sit in one? Have at it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'll, I'll figure out a guy. I, I'll, I know a guy that knows a guy that. You want to warm one up? We can probably arrange that. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> like, yeah, I mean, make it an experience that they'll never forget. But I, I yeah, right. not a bad experience that they'll never forget. Yeah, you don't, you don't let them leave and say like mad i mean you 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 take care of the people that are taking care of you but correct that goes back to where we were trying to get more money into the sport yeah oh yeah i mean i mean denzo's you know they're, they're obviously on a couple different race cars too yeah so i mean it's it's great to take care of them but yeah i mean you gotta you you gotta for the people that are investing money you gotta go above and beyond you gotta one way or the other. You figure it out. You just, you figure it out. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. I, I feel like... There, I would have a position. I feel like there are people that have the position that should be doing that. Okay, that, if that there's are, not, like, I would make that position. Every race, this is your job. Yeah. Follow that person. Make sure they're good. Actually, don't follow them. You lead them around. <laughs> you ask them whatever they want, whatever they need, you get it for them. Yeah. Golf cart, scooters, everything. Premier parking, better than Gold Key and Red Key. Yeah, I nice mean, yeah. air conditioned suite. Yeah, you you want to? Oh, you want to park by the starting line? Okay. I saw Bruton park his ass on the starting line, not in a golf cart either. In his car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, don't tell him though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Yep. But. I mean, hey, like, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, yeah, so I I guess kind of moving on. So uh, we just had a a question sent in. What's your thoughts on shortening the Meliella series schedule? Would that help the car count like it's done so far with Pro Stock? Would it hurt the big teams that still have large overhead? But did cutting Pro Stock's races help them car count-wise? Didn't they have a short field at the beginning of the year? Yeah. I f- I feel like... Uh, cost-wise, it's going to help us. There's two ways to look at that. Yeah, cost-wise, yes, it is less. But you also have less to sell. So I think it's a little bit of the right. risk versus reward. It would depend on your budget. It would depend on your overhead, what you're spending per race and what you're getting per race from the sponsor. I think some teams it would help a lot more than others. Um you know that that's a really good question. Uh I don't and I don't really know if that would help the sport or if that would hurt the sport by shortening the schedule. Me as a driver, I want to race every week, so I don't want to shorten it, but yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad. Because, you know, you, you look at it like, okay, let's shorten the schedule. Let's do a 16-race series. Okay, well, if you're selling a budget, you know, 
and your sponsors way under that budget and your team owners forking in a lot of money, I feel like it would hurt your team a lot more where, I mean, I don't know. I I think obviously on the, the parts end of it. Yeah. There's, there's a big savings there, uh, depending on what tracks and the travel, um, travels a, a big thing. Right. Um, I mean, salaries for the guys, you know, team salaries going to be what it's going to be because they, they work at, when they're not at the track, they're working at the shop regardless. So they get paid regardless. Yeah, but also like if you cut out six more races or so, eight more races, like, you probably don't need as many crew guys now. Well, yeah. I mean, well, th- then I think that depends on... Right? Because, I mean, if there's a period where we got three or four weeks off, it's only so much that you can do. Then I guess, yeah, that would come down to what kind of efficiency do you have on your team within the crew members that you have now? Can... Right. If you cut it down, you know, on a 50-minute turn or 60-minute turnaround when sometimes NHRA says, hey, we're going live, you got 60 minutes to get back up here, can six guys right. properly get a car put back together? That's the tough part. I mean, do you, would you cut back, would you cut back to maybe six guys, five guys, four full-time guys, and then have fly-in guys? So then does that hurt the sport if you have less jobs for people. Uh, there's so many aspects to it. And that's why we're just drivers. So we don't have the answers, <laughs> but we can, we could talk like we do. We can make stuff up. I don't want to see it cut. I don't want to lose any of my crew guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of build up relationships with all your crew guys where they're like family, but it's almost like we got to do something to keep the sport thriving. Like, save money but also bring in money well we i i think where we're at with right now with the state is we need we need like a shock big shock shock value like what's going to flop this thing around right so what's going to change it what's going to create the demand right what's going to create the demand for these sponsors to say there's a lot of value in that sport how do how do we get in how do we like where do we start you know and it's does that come from the NHRA? Does that come from within the teams on how you market the car, how you market the driver? Uh, or does but that come from the NHRA? How does a team do a lot of that on their own? I don't think I don't think you can. You're right. You need help. Right. Yeah. So, but I I don't know what that shock factor is that that you need, but I think it needs like a just the, the it needs a little bit of an overhaul. I mean, a, a really good story if you haven't read it is uh, on competitionplus.com. Uh, that Susan Wade wrote, um, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, very good uh, key components that I felt like I read through that article about talking about our sport, like how great it is, and you know we have the assets within the sport to be. We just we just need that mainstream. What what takes it mainstream? Right. It's like. The new generation wants right right now, right? Like they said in that story, like well, we have that perfect selling point, right? That's how our motorsport is compared to pretty much every other motorsport, right? Yeah, we we have the sport that you can watch the action and you don't have to sit there for six hours, right? Or you know whatever, like in in one spot you can 
watch a four-second run, watch another four-second run, maybe watch the whole session for 20 minutes. You can go in the pits. You can go interact. Like, I know we're we're selling the sport right now, but, I mean, damn, we, you, should get, we should get paid for this. But You don't even have to stay and watch the whole session. Go back to the pits. Watch them work. Like, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Then if that's the case, have more stuff on the midway, more interaction. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Um, but, yeah, no, like I said, that, that was a, a – very good article that I think uh, a lot of a lot of people should read. Uh, it, it, like I said, brought up some some stuff that some people just kind of brush to the side that people don't want to talk about. Um, what was it called? The uncomfortable conversation or something like that? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. There are some good points in there for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying it's all right or wrong, but definitely worth worth reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we went through my whole list. You got your little plug in there for your bracket race. That was good. Oh, winning. Anything else? No, I mean, shoo. covered a lot. I think we covered a lot. I mean, I'm I'm excited about Virginia. Yeah, I, what I'm really excited about is we go to Virginia, then we have next weekend off, Memorial Day weekend. Like, then it gets real. Four in a row. Right. Like that's when it's time to start making hay in the summer. Yeah, uh, that's usually about that time of the year is where you kind of get the feels on like, like you know going in the western swing like you better have your shit together or you're in a good spot. This yeah this is this is the time where it goes from this is going to be a long year or this could be a really good year. Right. Well, I say that because our summer last year blew. That's true, and then you turned it around. But like, still, like you got to be in a good spot, though. You can't be like hovering around like tenth spot because that just puts you like in worry mode. Right. I've been there a lot. Like coming out of the swing, like oh shit, we're ninth or tenth. Like been there quite a bit too, but got two races left to make something happen. Yeah, yeah. It's that. That's. That's stress racing, right? Then you it's got not fun. Yeah, then you got guys like Robert and Courtney in the past that they'll clinch by Denver. That's a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had that feeling. <laughs> I've, uh, I've I've had a little bit of that experience when I raced with AJ. Yeah, you're just like, I mean, it's just well, then you can start trying but, stuff or whatever. Like, yeah, but see, it's it's funny though because it's like you, you there's different pressures because. There's some of the pressures that where you're you're 11th and you're not in. We need to get our shit together. We need to get in the top 10. Then you have the ninth, 10th guys that are worried about the 11th and 12th place guys. Yeah, they're on the like, defense. Yeah, then you then you race on the defense. But then you have some of the middle guys. Like you get stuck in the middle, and then you're like, man, if we could do this much, then we could get up to two or three. But if we can't do that, then man, we don't want to fall back to eight or nine. That's going to put us in a hole. Right. But then you get in the position of the one or two guy. But then you have that same pressure because if you're in first, you don't you don't want to go to Indy and then buckle into the pressure in Indy and then end up two and lose out those twenty points or whatever it is. Right. So I feel like there's pressure all the way through one through ten. Like even yeah, you clinch, but you still have that pressure. I would still of, take two coming out of Indy. It's not bad. <laughs> it is a not not bad of a position <laughs> to be in. But like I said, it's still there's still that. No matter how you look at it, we're racers. We all know. Yeah, I'm with you. You 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 create that that pressure to. I think a lot of times you kind of 
maybe create your own drama, create your own pressure, because I think we all thrive off of that. Right. Like somebody brought up a good point. It might have been on the TV show the other day. Like the first few races, like people ask about points, like whatever. It's early in the year. Well, these summer races, like you're paying attention to points. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you're yeah. You're paying attention to the points, and you start like you're also like you're pretty much looking right now. Like where are we at? Oh yeah. No, I mean yeah. There's been a couple times that like in the last couple races. I mean we we always look at it, but like you're you know you run middle pack and you make a good run, and then last pair comes up and you're like, damn, if both these guys make it down the track, then I'm gonna get fourth of the session. I don't get that one point. Right. Still matters. Yeah, it does. And, and a lot of and a lot of times, a lot of times it ain't about the point. It's about the morale booster. Yeah. Because it's, you go back to the guys and say, hey guys, great job. We were top three of the session. We got X amount of points. And that, you just see a little pep in their step right after that. Exactly. Uh, anytime so, you come out at three style points, everybody's pumped. Yeah. So a lot of times it's just a little morale booster. For sure. But yeah, after, uh, hopefully after this show, we'll go to uh, Virginia, then, uh, Maybe pack this stuff up and start taking it on the road and do some stuff out of the pit area or somewhere at the track and get some guests on, liven it up a little bit. I think in Chicago would be a good time to start that. I know we've got some drivers that have been trying to get on here, but not everybody lives here in Indy. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, we got some cool stuff. Like We have some cool stuff uh, for the summer. Um, take this on the road. It's definitely Dude. not going to be two months before our next show. No, no, and that, maybe that was, like two weeks. That, that that a lot of that was on me. No, I've it's been, all good. I've been I've been traveling. I've been running around. Under, been, understandably, yeah. So we, uh, but no, I think some really cool stuff coming up in the summertime. We got uh, we got some guests in mind that that we want to have on the show. Some cool topics. Some cool discussions. Obviously, you know, we can go over a lot of a lot of the racing action. Any crazy things come up, obviously we could talk about it. But, yeah, no, I, I think uh, we'll try to do some shows at the track, though. I yeah, think it's I, easier to keep up on current events because I'm sure after a two-month hiatus we left out quite a bit. But And if we bring the stuff to the track, you never know. We might just start doing emergency press conferences <laughs> when something good or bad happens, and then we can just pop off shows whenever we want. Yeah, we're still waiting on our uh, media credentials. That way we can get up there in the media center and do some post-race and post-qualifying interviews with drivers, I think that'd be good. Get those nice parking passes that come with them. I mean, media has the best parking. By far. Yeah. I mean, they're like, oh, driver? Oh, red key, it's by the sand trap. Yeah, driver, crew chief. uh, Oh, media? That way. Media, come on up here by the tower. Yeah. Yeah, like, red keys parked behind, like, the VIP for the fans. Sometimes. (laughs) Like, you gotta, like, walk by, you know... You're like walking in the main gate with everybody and they're like, yeah, we need to check your bag. You need to stand over here. You're like, come on, guys. Full pat down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) Like, I got to go warm up my car in 10 minutes, bro. (laughs) Pack this shit up. Uh, You'll have that. Just glad I got a parking pass now. Yeah, so yeah, maybe we'll we'll do some. We got some cool things uh, that that we're trying to do for the summertime. So we'll get some uh, some of your favorite drivers, hopefully. But yeah, maybe send in some uh, some people you'd like to hear from. Maybe we'll try and get POTUS or something like that on the show. Dude, I don't know if you will, but we'll try. I mean, yeah, we're we got gonna, we're gonna keep on them. Oh yeah, no, we 
I mean, like the cool thing about our sport is so many cool personalities that I feel like we can, we could talk to you. I mean, good, good conversation for sure. Absolutely. So we're not going to be hard on him. Just have fun. Maybe he could like enlighten us on some things that we don't even know about. That's why I want to talk to him. I don't want to be in his position. It's tough. Yeah. It's yeah. That's a, that's a tough job. But yeah, we'll try and get some other people outside of drivers and maybe some crew chiefs on here and liven it up. I told Slugger we'll get him on here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Be good. All right. Well, we'll go to Richmond, hopefully kick some ass, have some good things to talk about, then uh pick back up in Chicago. How's that? I like it. I like it. All right, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send in your questions to uh, nomexeffect.com or excuse me, nomexeffect at gmail.com or our uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, which a lot of you are on right now. That's about all I got. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah, send in your questions. We'll discuss as much as we can and uh, obviously we'll keep up a little bit better and we'll keep these shows flowing for you guys. All right. Stay tuned. See you guys.